We are back, Emerge Podcast, episode 13, uh, with a guest, we pulled out of the bag today by the way, so <laughs> we've got a comedian, TV presenter, radio host, uh, and the guy with the best camera in Glasgow, Des Clark. Hi. <laughs> How's it going, Des? Good, the only one of them that's true is that I've got a really good camera, um, the, the rest oh, yeah. of it is up for debate. You've done it all, haven't you? You've done everything that comes to entertainment, haven't you? Yeah, I'm just trying to find one of them I'm actually good at. Um, like oh. for for all the different skills, for me, it's it really came about by accident. I only ever wanted to be a stand-up, and everything else was just that way that you fall into it. You get asked to do something, you get asked to do something else, right. and then you know, still nearly twenty years later, after, in fact, exactly twenty years later after my first stand-up gig, now here I am speaking to you in a podcast. <laughs> You've really, really been doing hell, haven't you? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I was at a peak, but that was a long time ago. This is this is the slide. So, uh, no, this could be the career high. But no, thanks very much for coming on, me. It's an oh, absolute really pleasure. Brilliant. No, th- thanks great. for having me, guys. And also, episode number thirteen. That's my lucky number. I was born on the thirteenth, so it was meant to be. Oh, yeah, born thirteenth of January, and um, other famous people that share my birthday. Include uh, Orlando Bloom, right? Uh, nice. Suggs, the lead singer from Madness, and um, Stephen Hendry, the snooker player. Oh, snooker. Stephen Hendry. Oh, you so yeah. snooker. So you were destined. Destined oh, right. <laughs> to be big time. A, a, Destined to be a, a professional snooker player. <laughs> 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 that, that was another dream growing up. I, I love snooker. Did you like, uh, yeah. I like the snooker as well. Loved it, mate. It was, it, even before football, my mum and dad will tell you that was the one sport. As a wee boy, I used to watch on the telly and uh, love going to the Crucible. Go to it every year. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Man, I'm serious. And I used to go to, uh, what was it, Riley Snooker Club oh, on Victoria aye. Road in the south side. And that was, we get like a, me and my pal, we get a six hour deal where you could just play snooker all day. And six we were, for, for, for six, it felt like six years at times, not gonna <laughs> lie. And uh, we, it was like children were in there and amongst really weathered old Seems. men. And you could oh. smoke inside there. Could you have you could smoke in there? It was, Absolutely. Couldn't see the yeah. tables. Couldn't see the next aye. table for you with the smoke. Couldn't see it. It was like walking in the doors of stars in their eyes. Remember that? <laughs> so it would be, aye. aye. <laughs> few, I'm gonna be a snooker player. Exactly. <laughs> and walk out like, like Meatloaf. So, yeah, but, we, but weirdly, here I am, ended up doing comedy, aye. radio, and telly, and, and this Brilliant. is my life now. Aye. Well, mate, the peak of your career has got to be still game, eh? Oh, mate. It, <laughs> That's like a fantastic. dream. Fantastic. You're absolutely right. Uh, you know, to. To even get a wee cameo in that in the final ever series of it Aye. was, and this is what I'm saying about I've never planned anything. It's always just happened unexpectedly, and you can try and put yourself in a position and and see what comes your way. And then they just gave me a call and say we've we've wrote a part for you in our final series, um, and it might be a stretch for you because you're playing yourself. Obviously, <laughs> but so obviously the. I know that this scene was me interviewing Winston, presenting my radio show, aye. and he'd become this Havago hero. And uh, I, I couldn't do it. I mean, I was, I, I, I had to stop the take about five times. I couldn't stop laughing. And oh, really? Was that, was that, was that what he could go, shut it, Tadja? Shut it, shut it, Tadja. <laughs> A phrase people have said to me for years, just by coincidence. Ah, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but just brilliant, and and to be part of that 
probably the most iconic, successful Scottish oh, comedy show ever. Oh, very, very tiny part of it, but even just to be oh, yes, ha- having that credit in there and, and getting to work with the guys was awesome. So good. Because there's quite a few um, in the last season. Aye, because it was stars went now. Martin Compton, uh, Capaldi, he was in it as well, wasn't he? Yeah, um, I, I, I think a few. You're right, Compton did it. I don't know who else. Amy, Peter, Peter Amy McDonald as well. She in it. So yeah. She might not have been in it last season, but she was in it a few seasons before. Yeah, I think uh, Craig Ferguson, who's um, Scottish comedian, went on to be big in America, did it. Want to say Robbie Coltrane might have done something. I know, Robbie, he did. He did. He did. He done one episode, aye. This is all so, Gav does is watch Still Game. I know. I, I, honestly, Tifa, <laughs> Tifa is like, aye, as far back as I remember, I watch it every single day. But it's one of the things that you put on just in the background, and I know every single word to every single episode. <laughs> it, it, it's brilliant. Uh, Gav's only got me on here so he can get, you know, Ford Cairn's phone number off me. <laughs> <laughs> so, is that a I've, I've got it on the phone, yeah, I'll text you. <laughs> Ford, go and play it. Oh, big time. Oh, he's, uh, oh what, a, what a break-off shot That's he's got. But, but yeah, no, I, I know what you mean, that you can just put it on for people that maybe are only having a great day or you just uh, want a wee cheer up uh, there. Yeah. I think just stick it on a half an hour and it'll make you laugh. And I love the fact that it, it went so long, they brought it back, but then I think, and they've said it as well, they got rid of it at the right time uh, and uh, the definitely. live shows. But but they've made so many good programmes and people like yourself will just watch that for oh. years and that'll be their legacy. The only thing is that most people think they can just say still game coach is part of now. It doesn't pass. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you hear. It's like it's people just replying and still game quotes. I know, I know. If, if life was only that easy, I know. But, I know. Nah, the, the guys <laughs> came up with something special, but it was one of those things, you know, in terms of a career, brilliant moment. Just couldn't predict it, and just so good to be part of that. Aye, brilliant. Um, well, we'll move on to you because this is what we're all about here. So. All about you, Dave. <laughs> so <laughs> you grew up, grew up in Glasgow. Sure, uh, grew up in Gorbos. That's yeah. Well researched, yes. Ah, it was great, yeah. You know, this, by the way, this feels like a cross between a police interrogation and Pornhub. It's, it's sort of, <laughs> please sitting outside if I gave him the nod. That's brilliant, yeah. I've always wanted an OnlyFans channel, so this is ideal. That's <laughs> exactly what it is. So good, yeah. Gorbals, uh, notorious area in Glasgow, but this is the thing when you grow up in an area like that. People may call it a scheme or council estate, whatever. Yeah. You don't know any different, so it's just your home, and it's somewhere that you're you're proud of. It's your, your earliest memories. You make pals there that you have throughout your life, and uh, and I still, you know, I've still got family that stay there, and I still host the the Gorbals Fair every year, which is a local wow. kind of community event where you have just a weird combination of. People playing steel drums, Irish dancing, and a, a juggler that does stuff with machetes. Right. A kid. So, <laughs> so. I bet he, he definitely learned that in Gorbals as well, didn't he? hundred percent, yeah. <laughs> Everyone else has gone, you call that a knife, watch this. You know, so it, it, it's brilliant. Really, really uh, good place. In fact, weirdly, by coincidence, uh, this picture just above my head is my flats, north oh, of right. court in the Gorbals, yeah. So when I moved into this flat in Finiston, um, or it was about 10 years ago, I got a couple of photos of just stuff in my life put onto prints. And this is one of them. This is the view from the bottom of the flats. And I lived That's in that block, 21 floors up. So this is Oof. like me as a wee boy looking up and the looking view up. that I would have had. And I still keep that with me. So uh, still that, Glasgow and proud and, and feel that I've got gorbals in me wherever I go. Brilliant. That's, they've been knocked down now, haven't they? Because the, the gorbals looks good now. 
But Aye. it is, Aye. you know, to, to be fair, even when I was there, I, I remember there was this whole project of the new gorbals. So sticking mm-hmm. you in front of it can make Aye, it suddenly right. better, good. you know. Magic, <laughs> it's like anything. And, and I, I love that. And, it, and they, they did it. They, we saw all the plans and bit by bit they've done it and replaced the, the houses and, you know, had to knock them down. Sad day because it's, it's where I grew oh, up. I didn't know any dead, different. But, um, it, but that means, you know, there's, there's still people there. And they built more like tenements, which is how it was uh-huh. way back in the day before the flats were built. And now it's quite an upmarket area. I would say the right, centre right, of yeah. Glasgow. Yeah, and it's, right, it's right. not cheap to live there. See behind the O2 or mm. that section there, that's where the new flats. It looks really nice. Like, it looks nice there, yeah. Aye, 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 you're right, Gav. Yeah, there's, there's, that bit looks lovely, and they're doing up the Citizens Theatre, which right. is right across the road from where I used to live, and I've done some gigs there, and it was really cool. Um, and weirdly, our phone number was one digit away from the Citizens Theatre the phone number. Theater. <laughs> we used to get Lovey's phone in us saying, you know, when's the next Brecht play on? And, oh, darling, <laughs> it's Shakespeare. It's Swan Lake on this month. And uh, <laughs> my dad ran his own business, so he'd be like, uh, no, nah, I only do crazy paving. So um, <laughs> unless you're wanting a brickie, really <laughs> it's probably not <laughs> the right show. But, but not that you're right. The, the Gorbals, I'm proud of it, proud of the way it was and what it's becoming now. And... I think what's nice uh, doing the events there every year, it's still got proper sense of community, which it always had. And it's retained that even with mm-hmm. all the new nice houses. So uh, well done character. and fair play. Yeah, it's still got the character, but spruced up the housing, which they needed to do. So it's yeah. it's nice to see it looking so well. Brilliant. What, Did you go see, to school in the Gordons? Uh, was it, was there yeah, a school nearby there? I... Absolutely. Uh, again, at St. John's, which is now a police Skills Academy, which I thought, wow, wow I wish it was actual police academy. <laughs> I, school, I know. Do you know? Uh-huh, I love the films, and uh, and I think they made about forty-three of them. So go see that. Aye, seven. Yeah. <laughs> oh my, yeah, exactly. Number Mission to Moscow, all the way. But uh, yeah, so they, they, what they, they just obviously still use the building, and you know maybe there wasn't as much need for as you many like schools it. in that area. But yeah, yeah that's yeah. where I grew up. Went to school there uh, for primary and then it was Holyrood uh, secondary school was was where I went for secondary school education a bit further into the south side and then while I was there we moved further into the south side into Kings Park and that's kind of where my folks still live to now but yeah just always been Glasgow pretty much all my life. You kind of beat it though see like you'll know as well because you've probably done a bit of traveling with work and stuff and when you go some even if it's down south, it's like two hours away, but it's just no this it's no the it's, same. It, it's weird and like maybe every area is the same wherever you come from, you're proud Aye. of it. The sense of humour, the banter. I know it sounds cheesy to talk about that, but it is different. I lived in London for a wee while when the T V career was happening and it was it was fine and the, the, like it's just different. It is and I think to be fair, London's different from even other cities down uh, south. It's a bit it's Exactly. London is a bubble and uh, they have that stereotype of not being as friendly and, and nobody talking to you. You can really frighten a Londoner by smiling at them. And <laughs> they just think, what is this guy up to? <laughs> oh God, is he mental? Oh, he's Scottish. So it's probably understandable. And But there's that thing of, of that's, that's their existence and that's what that city is. It's very big. But I just think, to me, I always felt homesick and... I just wanted to come back and I was always visiting, you know, every few weeks I'd come back up the road because it was so close and I was just glad when uh, when the time was right to come back up and I got another radio gig and, and that's what 
allow me to be back here full time. But yeah, the job allows you to travel and I've been lucky. I've done gigs all over the world, New York, LA, Australia, places wow. like that, the, the different comedy festivals and you get booked to do that and Magic. see how your humour travels. And, and, uh, I was going to say, and then, <laughs> how, how, how do they, do you ever really get to speak to anybody after it to see if they really understood it properly? Or, but I, I yeah, always find that a bit like, when you look at Billy Conley, he's been a bit, I don't know if it's mannerisms and stuff as well, and the way he, the way he delivers just things. Just, maybe. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he was able... Do you know, it's brilliant talking about Connolly because he broke down a lot of barriers for showing that if you're Scottish, you shouldn't be limited to being here. Still be proud and come back here, but you can travel and have success anywhere. And he did stand up to an amazingly high level in America and especially Australia, New Zealand, places like that. And... You know, guy's a total legend, and it was nice going over there again, not to his level, just much smaller mini theatre and festival yeah. shows. But what an experience! Wouldn't swap it for the world. And uh, easier in Australia, definitely, because they got a lot more, well, there's a lot more expats. Scottish, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. They, they've got a lot of stronger relationship with UK, and obviously yeah. Scotland, a lot more of our telly plays over there. Whereas when I walked onto a stage in Los Angeles, for example, I, I think they thought I was Susan Boyle. And, <laughs> and, and I think they thought it might have been a character act. And, and like, what is this? This guy's such an authentic Scottish accent. I'm like a total <laughs> Scottish, you know. My grandfather was from Dublin. You're like, well, I'm my They always try and find a link, don't they? But, but, but lovely crowds and, and American crowds are so enthusiastic. You get a round of applause just for saying, I'm from Scotland. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. And here, if I just, just went on and told my address, I don't think the audience would applaud you. They'd just say, well, that's good. Can you give Aye. me a lift home? But, um, but, but no, really enthusiastic. And obviously your reference points change and you have to make sure you pronounce. Because sometimes, yeah. as you can hear with my accent, Glasgow, it's very common to slightly drop a consonant or a vowel and run words in each other. Whereas yeah. when you do it in other countries, you've got to make sure you pronounce everything. And as long as they can understand you, then you've got half a chance. Half yeah, a chance, definitely. yeah. That's what so, happened to me even when I travelled. Everybody thought I was Irish. Everybody, <laughs> yeah. Where's an island you're from? Where an island you're from? And Springbomb. Repeating myself became, aye, aye. Repeating myself became, like, it was, I just knew it was coming. Or it, aye. It really, Tone it down a lot. To be fair, you wore that leprechaun's outfit and we're drinking a pint of Guinness. I, know, so. I, know, I, know, like, I really like the colour green. It's <laughs> nice. So you were asking for trouble, you know. I know, but. I know. Do you see how you said like you lived in London, you came back up? Do you feel that like people from Glasgow just kind of ground you a wee bit, like they? Totally. Yeah. Just, yeah. Like, absolutely. So they're taking the piss at you, but they kind of like they don't treat you any different from anybody else. And... No. And that's great. I, I love that. You know, and, and uh, you, you get less hassle. I think hopefully, and people just treat you like everyone else. And that that's all you want. I'm just doing a job. It just so happens, luckily, my job is in front of a crowd, so more people know you. I'm not any mm -hmm. more skilled at what I do than someone else is at whatever their particular thing is. Yeah. And, and in Glasgow, I think, I think they see that. They're happy for you to do well. Don't get me wrong. I never get any hassle. But um, I think you're still seen first and foremost as Des, as who you are, rather mm -hmm. than you're that guy off the telly or the radio. And likewise, mm. I've never been the big man or tried to act the big I am. I, it's not my background. And I don't think you get away with that for two minutes in Glasgow. No, you start no, acting no. like a flash, Harry, you'll just be pulled down. And I think that's what <laughs> that's what I love about this city. Like, you know, it, it, it keeps you real and it gives you 
all the praise you want, but also you won't get big headed because you will just be having your ego popped right away. Hundred percent, yeah. So see, see when you were growing up, like what, what sort of um, interest to have, like sporting wise? Did you play football? Did you? Like that or? Yeah, I mean, I was, uh, I loved, I love sport. That's my thing. And I've been lucky enough to do a wee bit of sports presenting and broadcasting at different times. And um, that, uh, I just grew up loving watching pretty much any sport. I'll give it a go from, you know, football to kabaddi. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Judo, anything, snooker, darts, diddlywinks, yeah. whatever it is. Diddlywinks. <laughs> remember Pogs? Do you ever remember Pogs when you were oh, a guy? Oh, now oh, we're Pogs. talking. I mean, you're, you're to, this is what it is. Thick metal Pog. See, I wanted to make a TV show based on wee games that you'd play as a kid. Either like Tiddlywinks, Pogs, or like British Bulldogs and <laughs> Tig. I mean, how good? ITV, half seven, that. Saturday night, just a massive game of Tig. Look, who's, <laughs> who's not watching that? Exactly. It's everybody, the crowd <laughs> involved. Huge. Aye, exactly. Nobody be watching the cameras. No, oh, absolutely. Them. Everybody and, be joining in. And, and obviously, football. You know, school football team only at primary wasn't good enough to get in at secondary. With a very small primary school, and I think by default, I was there. <laughs> right. And I, I was, I was a, a substitute. I was like the only gun Solskjaer of my day. And uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I just, I was terrible. You know, I, decent pace, but awful touch. Technical. And um, but I, I felt like I could have been. Like, because I spent so much time in the touchline, in my head, I was the assistant manager. Aye, Or a linesman. Chewing the fat, chewing the fat, <laughs> and the manager shouting, and the assistant manager's behind him. You know, like, that, that was me. I'd just nice. copy everything he said, and all his gestures, and doing all this. Didn't even know what it meant. Um, but that, but good memories, you know. It's still that feeling Saturday morning, heading along there, and just getting absolutely Aye. battered in the face on a cold day with a mitre ball. Oh. And it used to leave the imprint, if the anybody remembers master. that. Yeah. It was a, just a brutal... How hot brutal... was that bit of your face? Oh. That bit of your, that was just so hot for like and, three days. Oh, and you tried to pretend it wasn't hurting, and then oh. part of your cheekbones on the floor. And... <laughs> so on the ash. Oh, on the ash. Oh, the ash. <laughs> was oh, wow. my God. It, they were called ash because it felt like the furnace of hell. <laughs> it was just awful. And that was, um, but, but that was all you knew. As I say, it's like where you were brought up, whatever your childhood Aye. is, you've got no reference point that there's something any different anywhere else. You played in ash pitches, you played with a hard miter ball, and you, you just got on with it. And, See, and I, I loved it. When I, was, uh, when I was in primary school, I was in Drum Chapel, and they used to be like, called the 99 pitches. Uh, it used to Aye. just be all ash pitches. And uh, I remember a pair of orange Diodora boots, and they were metal studied. So you know when you're talking <laughs> about red ash? These studs not get sharpened with this ash. Like, oh, they take somebody's leg off with them. Can you? Yeah. Oh, how was that allowed? Like, how I don't. Even I thing? don't think it was allowed. I don't think orange Diodora should have been allowed. Kenny, <laughs> oh, I'm no. going to be honest. Definitely not. Try to in the pitch. I don't know. What, I don't know how. I don't know how they came about. They just listen. I didn't buy them. The, the was, problem is the guy that gets the colourful boots has to be a good player. Uh, exactly. No, wasn't right. he? I was horrendous. I was the left back <laughs> just because I was tall. I was tall. I, I was you I was just picked because I turned up. And... I was, yeah, exactly. Picked because you turned up. Uh, I was always reliable. I was quite good at school. I didn't cause any trouble. And uh, was, the, the poorest players I played at fullback, so I was a right back. So well, that's, you, that's you all I did. You had a chance than I did then. You, you got to right back. I, was, I know, exactly. The ball, nearly. Uh, he's got a left back, Jacques. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was just told, don't do anything fancy with it. When that ball comes to you, it's a hot potato. Just get rid of it as quickly as you can. <laughs> Doesn't don't matter. Even look, just shut your eyes. And exactly. And at rest. least if you do that, then if we lose a goal, it's not your fault. It's not so your fault. That's what it's all about. I think I've still got scars on my legs for ash pitches. Like all the grazing, oh. all the grazes. You need to pack I'm them out, you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the wee stones. Oh, uh, man. Yeah. But that was that was it. And I, and I still, I mean, not not a good player Great as I've memories. established. Uh-huh. Great memories. Loved football growing up. And, and actually, uh, I then didn't play it for years. Just, you know, played it with my mates through secondary school uh-huh. time. Didn't play it for years. Never really did fives now and again, maybe. And then a couple of years ago, got invited into just, you know, making up the numbers, WhatsApp group, are you free? You do a lunchtime game on a Tuesday. It's a weird game, you know. (laughs) So anyway, it's full of unemployed people, basically, and uh, (laughs) and people that have weird job times like myself. And then I've played regularly, obviously not while the lockdown's been going on, but played regularly uh, at least once a week for the last couple of years and really enjoyed it. Forgot how much just I missed it and the banter of it as well and just... Just getting a kick about it, it just took me back to being back in school. Uh, I think that's we, why I played that boys. We Scotty with it when, when yeah. like, Scotty McLaughlin, he was saying it's just the whole camaraderie and in the changing yeah. room having a laugh, a bit of banter. So, was there yeah. any other sports at all that you that you, you went, oh, I'm all right at that? I'm, I'm quite good at badminton. I'm quite happy. Seriously? To right. at badminton. Aye, I, aye. I struggle at badminton. I've tried it. I've got, I've not got the coordination. Tennis is horrible. I can't get the ball over the net at tennis. Badminton, I'm all right. See, this is, I'm the opposite because um, I used to play tennis in Queen's Park in the south side of Glasgow, but we'd never pay for it. So before uh-huh. 12 o'clock, you could get in for nothing. And my mate, we used to turn up at like seven in the morning, jump the fence and play tennis until we get chucked off. And that, I loved that. This was before, I feel like I've inspired the Murray brothers because... This was in the days before Scotland was any good at tennis. So, we, really, maybe they walked by oh, and saw us playing one day and thought, this is it. In the Henman years, are you like you? Oh, come on, Tim. That's all <laughs> we, didn't he go too wild, just a wee single <laughs> fist pump? Come on, Tim. That's all you got for He never won, did he? He never won one. No, 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 no. No, he got you the semi. Well, he couldn't get more than a semi, so he was the Viagra <laughs> champion. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he only ever got you the semis at tournaments and then... Obviously, Big Andy and Jamie come along and sort of Absolutely. I know. <laughs> but the, the other sport was snooker. I'm not even making this up. I, I loved it. I was obsessed with snooker as a kid and used to play for hours with my mate and, and, and loved it and still play pool as well. Like, mm. uh, Pool's okay. One of, pool, I think yeah. very difficult, but it's a very difficult game, man. Really hard. So what, you want to do, what you want to do to get good at pool is play snooker for a bit. Then play pool, and you feel like you are the best That's pool player so in the world. Look at it's tiny wee balls and tiny pockets, and then if you go to pool, it's it's like suddenly you've hit cheat mode in a video game. <laughs> Snooker's very strategic as well, isn't it? You haven't obviously think about where you're going to try and get the next ball. And... No, no, yeah. if you're Ronnie no O'Sullivan, for, no Ronnie O'Sullivan <laughs> does what he wants. Does what he wants. Sullivan's uh, something else, isn't he? Genius O'Sullivan, Ronnie O'Sullivan's one of the most naturally gifted sportsmen of any sport. I think he's just Aye. just amazing. A good a runner as well. Ronnie loves his running. Is he? Is he? Mad for it. He's written a book about it, and he, <laughs> he he went got gained a little bit of weight, and then he got into his running, and he suffered anxiety battles with his mental health. I think, and he credits a few things for helping that, and one of the main ones is he likes to go running. running. That's, 
That's what he does. And then that's why he runs around that table. So fast. <laughs> like, so fast. Might as well get a couple of miles in. <laughs> tournaments you've seen him going like, like a one four seven, like it's not enough money for me to hit a one four seven and he, he just doesn't need it. Yeah. I saw him do that. Yeah, he got he got to one forty, and he said to the ref, "How much is it for the one four seven? Whatever the ref said, he went. That's not enough. Just walked. So it's just But you like I like characters in any field of activity, especially sport. And if they're a bit flawed, brilliant. You know that's why you know Sullivan. Yeah, back in the day of football. Exactly. George Best was a bit nuts. I've always liked those. You know Maradona. Even Zidane, I always loved Zidane as a player right. to watch. And then when he just absolutely stooked and malkied that guy in the World Cup, why Why wouldn't you? He scored in a couple of World Cups. He's already got a winner's medal at home. You're getting it, big man. And aye. it was Matarazzi was saying stuff about his maw. Don't go. Don't go there. That's a very Glaswegian thing, isn't it? So he was talking about my maw. <laughs> Doesn't matter what you've done to that, that suddenly that's all right. That's fair enough. Exactly. I, would, I would give him a yellow just so I would, like, I'm showing some authority, but more, man. Okay, get it I, I think actually, yeah, because the ref missed it. I think it was a, a video ref then said that you might want to have a look at this. And, <laughs> uh, and he said, yep, probably merits a red. But I, I'm like you, I'd have kept him on the pitch. I think uh, just, 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 just like Zidane. Just Zidane, he's a legend. And nobody's ever gone bald with just. So much so balls, yeah, yeah. Just, just yeah. like, just let this bit in the back of it get bigger and bigger, so I look like a mental monk, <laughs> and yeah. didn't even try to cover it up. Legend, probably well, star. So yeah. Zidane, but oh, we'll, listen, we'll for me, but you, Des. come on, Zidane's a, a man. Head of hair. Well, <laughs> absolutely, it's still there. Head of hair. <laughs> who's who's been cutting your hair during lockdown? Uh, me, mate. I just did it myself. Uh, just no. get the rubber band. Now everybody's just, doing the rubber band thing. What is that all about? I know. Wild it's, it's, it's wild. Some of the some of the haircuts you've seen in it. Everyone went for the the skinheads. Um, but I I had that once in my life. You know, everyone tries it tries it at some point, and I didn't realise like how much like a peanut I was going to look. <laughs> oh wow! You know, you don't realise you got many just different dents uh, and holes yeah. in your head. I, I'm the same. I've got I. Too much yeah. hair shaped head. That's how I've no touch. I've had two haircuts. Now, the good lady done one, my sister in law done one, and I've no asked again because places are opening up. So, open up soon. Two weeks, eh? When they grow that's back, man. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, that's one of the big things at lockdown. We're all going to go in there and just get shaved. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, back to you because that was a lovely wee tangent. I enjoyed that. That was some knowledge about <laughs> the, the best Ronnie That Ronnie O'Sullivan knowledge was unbelievable, man. <laughs> did, you, did you left school? Did you go to college, uni, any of that jazz? Or? Yeah, I went to Glasgow Uni and only did a year because it was while I was there that all the comedy stuff started for me. So I was studying English and film and TV and that was I took a politics module, so I could have been the first minister. Oh, you could have. <laughs> I would like to have seen that. Yeah, it's not, it's not, <laughs> you can still do it. Hey, still do it. Good. Listen, if Trump things. can become the president, come uh, on. Exactly. <laughs> Seriously. Comedian oh, so as first much. minister. I could, talk, I could talk about him for a fucking a good hour. And <laughs> That's your specialist subject. But I, I just saw these videos about windmills, man, but let's not go into it. Let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about stick to love you. It. We'll talk about him oh. later. No, I know I do. I think we all love a little tangent. But on, ah, on the I... question, yeah, I did do the year. It, it was going fine. And uh, I left... Uh, after a year, because I didn't want to establish one of those Glasgow Uni accents, so <laughs> I thought, <laughs> no, they're good. Can, 
can't be that. But uh, also, whilst I was doing that, I started doing open mic comedy. I'd never done stand-up before. The only experience I had was doing my uh, school talent show at Holyrood. With Is that what you won at school, did you? That's, that's what I did. That, that, was takes, the that first takes a lot of balls to do that in front of your school. Because that's almost you, just saying, bully me. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's is, it is an invite. It's an, an invite. You're just going like that. Look, my name's Desmond. I should probably just bully myself. <laughs> um, but here's another reason to have a go. And uh, me and my mate were just just doing daft voices, impersonating the teachers, impersonating whoever was on the telly. You know, we do. Mate, it was great. It, well. it, it could have gone went. one of two ways. It could have gone badly. And I think the first. 20 seconds the people are looking at each other going what's this the school talent Aye. show never has comedy it's always just people in bands or Aye. singers or some guy Aye, piano. playing a guitar piano there's always somebody on the piano and then we go out and it's like is that guy doing like a bad billy connolly impression like <laughs> just uh, isn't it and i couldn't really do him well so i just say joby was my favorite word is billy it's wonderful so you, you kind of, that was the only thing so I could do. And I just kept bouncing that, eh? Exactly, so I could, could just say jobby. No, no <laughs> many others. The only, the other one that I did, was, and this is obscure, and it was uh, Chris Eubank, right? So not, oh not, the son, not the son who's fighting now, but the, uh, the, 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 the dad. The mental dad. Was exactly, so in the 90s when I was at secondary, he was huge, and then I think he's been on telly doing bits since, but uh, but he would think, well, he would have with the lift and he would think like this and he would talk like some sort of slippery flake and all the day is <laughs> just talk gibberish we didn't even have a script and i I'm, I'm still thinking how did we get away with it and we had such a laugh and i spoke to my pal about it and said look is this something you do you think we could do this as grown-ups and he to be fair said it's not my thing but if you want to go for it uh, by all means and then I did an open mic spot at Blackfriars Pub up in the town. Uh, I that, and that's what led, you know, from one thing to another. And I started to do quite well with a stand-up. So I took a year out of uni and I'm still on that year out. Here you are. <laughs> here so I am. I managed, that, was it, yeah. it was 19, 19 I read. Was that right? 19 you done Correct. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 19, man. That's, that's yeah. young. Yeah. What were you doing at 19? I was working full time in JGB, scared and petrified to sell the shoe shiner for people. That's what I was doing. Absolutely <laughs> petrified. Putting up, sell shoe shiner. That's what I was in college, I think. Yeah, oh. man. No, I was a PT. I just done my PT course actually. Oh, so there you go. Yeah. So, well, listen. To be fair, both of you are a lot more sporty than me. Um, <laughs> no, no, JGB. You didn't do day sports. You just sold the sports shoes to people, like right, the clothes, or the gear. The idea. Aye, exactly. <laughs> aye, aye. Well, that's brilliant. Well, what, what, stand up the, comedy. What was the, what was the crowd like then? Yeah, open, I mean, right? the, so you're you're talking small crowd, and you're talking. Um, here we go. It's uh, the the stand comedy club hadn't quite opened, so this was probably the main comedy room in Glasgow at the time. They've seen a lot of top acts, and when you walk on there. At 19, it was like an out-of-body experience. And I got a couple of laughs. Don't get me wrong, I wasn't storming it. I wasn't smashing it and being brilliant. I got away with it. And right. that that was enough. And see that laugh? I swear to God, and you speak to other comedians, it's like the best drug you've ever had. It's exactly what it is. And you get addicted to it, and you try and work to keep getting it and getting it and getting more of it every time you do a gig. And that was the motivation for me. And I, I thought... 
you know, I had little ideas when I was at school and doing the talent show that this is what I wanted to do. Even when I went to uni, taking a kind of media course was leading uh -huh. me that direction. But where could you go to learn to be a comedian? And then yeah. I figured it out. You've just got to do it. And I thought, That's... right, it went well. I'll take a year out to see if I can get better. And thankfully, I did. But um, it wasn't easy. And I was still having really, really tough nights just dying on stage. You have to. You, you, That's there's a lot no of things that I, I yeah. listen to, like Kevin Hart and stuff like that, and he talks about him and Chris Rock, and that's why you, we do these wee nights, because we need to know what works and what doesn't, but what was your first ever big laugh? What was the first laugh you went, wow, that's something, this is something I'm going to make a career out of? Like, can, you remember, yeah. can you remember any of your material as well? Yeah, I remember doing a, a, an intro early on in my stand-up where I was like, because um, I remember doing a gig and there was another Des Clark on the circuit, a guy in right. London, so people were saying, you might need to change your name. So I thought, well, I don't want to do that. You know, it's not like I'm uh, signing on or something. So <laughs> I think confident in your name being your name. Exactly. I thought, God, I need to keep this. I've put up with getting bullied, being called Desmond for years, so I've earned the right <laughs> to use it. And, um, and I looked into it and he was spelled differently, so I came up with a line where I was able to make knowledge of it, but, um, but not obviously have to lose the name. And I said, I'm Des Clark. Uh, I'm Des Clark with an E. There's another guy in the circuit. Uh, he's very different from me. He's Des Clark without an E. He's shit. <laughs> and I'm shite. So it's quite clever. Aye. So it's obviously, aye. you're still, good. it's a, gla a great Glasgow joke because it's obviously he's shit, I'm shite. So there's a aye. one E of a difference. Aye. And you're still kind of putting yourself down while slagging the other guy and then uh, people started to remember the name because of that and also saying oh you're the guy that's shite so, <laughs> no shit. so oh, well, it works. It, do you know what Gav, it did work it was weird it just became a, a little calling card that came into the set very early and i tried it a couple of times and then i got the, the rhythm and the wording of it right and uh, it just it became sometimes it was the opening joke sometimes it was the ending joke because as a stand-up i always try and think you top load it, you try and put some of the strongest stuff up at the start, you try and save something strong for the back end, uh -huh. and then in the middle, let's see what happens, and, and that's the way to build a set, and it took me a while to figure that out, and, and from that wee joke and the little initial few gags that I did, just built it and built it, and, and eventually, you know, got a decent set and got pretty good at it. It's amazing how, like, if somebody was to say a joke, like one of your things, it's totally, it would be totally no funny until you deliver it in a certain way, it's just oh. weird how that changes everything. There's not so much. It's a 50-50. It's all, it's uh, written and it's delivery. It's why you get comedy writers. A lot of them have tried it before. And anybody wants to do comedy writing, I would say it wouldn't be the worst idea if you just did a couple of little yeah, uh, gigs on the side just to get an idea of how delivery works and, and get a perspective of how to do it. And that'll make you a better writer. But sometimes they get an idea that maybe they're not going to be the best performer, they've not got the confidence, or they don't have the desire. You can maybe go into writing. That's where you would be the right wee sketches or jokes or sitcoms or things like that. But uh, I, I quickly felt that I, I, I wanted to be up there. I wanted to deliver it. I was a really shy kid growing up. was not the class clown. So overcoming confidence barriers and, you know, nervousness was... Yeah was the biggest thing. And I used to pace up and down before the gig and just almost like wear a hole in the carpet backstage. <laughs> and I remember doing a gig in Manchester, probably maybe my first one outside Scotland. And I was pacing big time. I mean, if I'd had one of the watches on me, I'd done my 10,000 steps, so no bother. Easy. Oh my mm -hmm. God. And I was pacing. I think I've thought this guy must be absolutely awful. And then I went on, it just clicked for me. I had a really good gig. And then afterwards I saw like the next three comedians all pacing up and down. 
on this must, <laughs> <Aye, watch>. aye. <laughs> must be the pacing. That's how he's done it. It's genius. So, so it, it's aye. weird little things like that work for you, and uh, and it, it it just it comes together through experience. And I admire anybody that gives stand up a go because it isn't easy. Aye, but when you get it right, it's the best feeling in the world. See. Like obviously we spoke about Billy Connolly, was he probably your biggest influence when you watch back like Usher Hall, Albert Hall, Big Banana Feet? It's just oh, incredible. Legend, mate, absolute legend. And the fact he was doing it in a Scottish accent, Glasgow guy, mm-hmm. conquered the world. Obviously, by the time I was born, he was already a superstar yeah. and had done it way before anybody else. In the era that people are still doing like rubbish hack jokes about two men walk into a bar and all that like he was having the brass neck to come out and just tell a story here's my life you know came for the folk scene play a wee song tell a story and as time went on the songs got less and the stories got longer and he 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 just changed the game just changed the way it was done and uh absolute legend loved love billy Connolly. but I, i love all comedy i can sit and watch it Aye. Whoever it is, I loved oh, Robin. Well, we used to love Robin Williams, and I was, oh. you know, gutted. His comedy, you know, he's joke about Scotland and stuff like that, the golf oh, and stuff. And see that about routine English, about the golf, aye, man. Aye, and he amazing. spent a lot of time over here, and you could tell he gets uh-huh. Scotland and uh, humour. Humour, and his his energy was amazing. Again, sad that you know it didn't end so well for him. And aye. you just never know. A lot of comedians suffer depression. They're out there making other people laugh, but there's a wee bit of sadness going on behind Jim, the scenes. Jim Carrey as well, he suffers a lot of it as well. Jim Carrey suffers, yeah. You get more and more that have just come out and said, look, it, it's comedy sometimes is a front. And, yep. and uh-huh. they, they, you know, it's not for everybody that way, but for a lot of people it is. And it's, they're, they're more comfortable making everybody else happy, but then they don't have it themselves or, or the buzz they get on stage, they can't get it elsewhere in elsewhere. their life. Mm-hmm. So... You know, it's, it's difficult, but I admire anyone that does it. But you're right, growing up, certainly somebody like uh, Billy Connolly is... Uh, if you come from Glasgow and do stand-up, you've got to tip your hat uh, to the begin. There, there was a comedian in, in Melbourne when I was there, and he was Scottish, and I was with two English people, and we sat up the front. Right. And uh, <laughs> it was in like, a wee kind of like a comedy festival in Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. We're sitting, we're sitting, and... Uh, he comes up and he talks, oh, I'm Scottish and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, no, if he knows I'm Scottish, he's got to pound me. <laughs> um, and... The last we say was like, what are you Scottish? And my mate would say this John was going, tell me you're Scottish. I was like, no, because I know exactly what he's going to do. <laughs> he's going to have to rip you I'm, I'm from Glasgow. I, I grew up in Postal and stuff. I was like, oh, this is going to get this Scottish. It's so bad for wow. me. And eventually, <laughs> my mate John's like, is anybody from Scotland here? And he's like, him, him. Like, Three or four. What team do you support? Rangers. Oh. Ah, they're shite. But we did <laughs> This was in Rangers when we were in the lower leagues and stuff. Like, ah, I had really? any good this, son. And I was just like, ah, you felt at home. It's, it's just so felt, funny. Just felt at home. It's, it's amazing, you know, all that way, literally as far away from Scotland as you can get, Melbourne and Australia, <laughs> and the first question is just what team do you support? You know, it's <laughs> exactly. brilliant. We'll never so right back home. <laughs> exactly. But that, that's what, and that's nice, you know, that Melbourne festival's a really big one, and a lot of Scots Massive. go out there and do that. So it's, it's nice. Well. It's like the fringe, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. exactly the same as the fringe. A month long, takes over the city, and I've I've done that one, and I've done the one in Adelaide as well. And it's it's nice to go out there and, and just uh, see your stuff and how it works in front of a totally different audience. Really cool. Yeah, so see, so. see when you when you do stand up, how long does it take you to get like like a good a good a good hour or a good half hour? Is it is it like a long yeah. long six? It's year, a lot. Yeah, I would say I, I would say it, at the start, I think. It took me a couple of years to get a half hour that I was happy with. So about mm-hmm. two years, I would say, to get a half hour that I was happy with. 
and probably three to four years of doing it to get to where I was comfortable doing an hour, like I was happy with the hour. Um, and then when you've done it, it's quicker to get it the next time. So ideally, you'd write an hour every year. And that's a science then it becomes, isn't it? You, you kinda, you're in a groove exactly. and you know exactly how to get yourself going. Correct. It's like an act in uh, music writing an album. So you're trying uh-huh. to... Co- comedians have a di- more difficult thing because if you write a brilliant album, you are allowed to... And people want you to sing those songs for the next 40 years uh-huh. of your life to uh-huh. the world on them. As a comedian, they want to say, that was brilliant. Any new stuff? Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, but I spent ages writing that. I know, but I've heard it now. So uh, you try and if you can, it's not always so easy, especially like with me doing all the other things as well. But you try and recycle and try and change it up at least a bit. Uh, and, and and hopefully every year or two have a have a new hour would be the ideal for, for stand-ups. Would you, would you say you've got like a one particularly good joke that people would remember? Like, so you think about like Kevin Bridges and it's always like the bus stop joke. Tell the bus stop joke. Yeah, oh, the bus stop joke was amazing absolutely <laughs> yeah a memorable routine I don't know I don't know it's maybe yeah. for other people to say right. um, there's been a few oh that's so humbling and that's so yeah, nice exactly yeah <laughs> I know there was a while where I was getting people going I love this story about the Olympic torch um, which was obviously 2012 when I got to carry uh-huh. the torch and it was uh, again it's a story so it's a long one but um, it, it, it was the whole thing about the torch was that Anytime I'm put in a big situation, I'll blow it. I'll do something wrong, <laughs> say the wrong thing, whether it be going on dates, whether it be, you know, first time in the telly or whatever, because I feel like still that wee boy for the gorbals that I'm not meant to be here. <laughs> and that Olympic torch was the first time I was on TV all over the world and I was carrying it through Glasgow and it was a big moment. And James McAvoy was there on like the, the leg before me and all that. And I thought typical Glasgow, you know what I mean? The, the way they Friday night holding a bit of metal that's no mine running into a fight mm-hmm. crowd wearing my shell suit. <laughs> 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 it's just like most, most of my teenager. Very flammable. And the amount of gel I had in my hair, I was basically, I was like a second torch, right? And uh, that the whole thing, just describing the build up to it as well, and the fact that all my family were there, apart from my dad, because in his words, I'll no get parked. And I thought, how oh, Glasgow well, is that? that you know, is, that is very, very Glasgow. How Glasgow dad is that? I'll no get parked, so I'm not going to bother going because I'll no be able to put in a motor somewhere. So I'm a big moment. And then there was just the story goes on for ages, and the nice wee conclusion of it was that when I was actually running with that torch into George Square, the big leg, etc. Tens of thousands of people in Glasgow, the world watching. The most surprising, shocking thing was into the street in front of me jumped my dad. Um, oh. So he'd, he'd obviously made it, some change of plans, he did let me know. So it was a magic moment. It was actually quite emotional. And you think to yourself, in that moment, your whole world coming together, this brilliant, unexpected thing. And what special unique words would you say to him and all I could think to say while I was running by with the torches where did you get parked <laughs> <laughs> it's like hey, why your big moment and, and he's like NCP he's like I say NCP you're five or an hour hurry up you're your wee guy, you know so any change exactly I know <laughs> the meter's running out That's run faster <laughs> so a story like that I think probably was one that a lot of people come up to me and say I love that because Involved a big event, but it also summed up your background from uh-huh. Glasgow and your family as well. And it's uh-huh. if you can get a true story, it will always go down better with an audience than, yeah. than stuff you've kind of made up. Right. You can 
So I exaggerate a wee bit at times, but if you can keep it as close to the truth, then that'll that'll do a lot better. Yeah, it shines so, through as well, doesn't it? It shines through. The, 100%. Through story and, uh, have, you, yeah. have, have you been doing, I've seen quite a lot of comments are doing like um, sort of online comedy during lockdown. How, how has that went? Has yeah, it's, it's, it's strange, Gav. It is, it's not ideal. It's, um, it's not what you would intend. It's not the ideal way to do a gig. And um, it, it, but what else have you got? I suppose at this time, and it's that weird thing with Zoom. The first time you do a gig, where there's there's that like a, a two second delay sometimes on it, and you you're thinking to yourself, right, is that the delay, or have I just become shite at comedy? Uh. <laughs> and you, and sometimes you're like, I don't know. Um, and I think for us um, comedians, you know, there's 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 been nothing else over three months without a gig, without comparing ourselves to footballers you totally lose your match sharpness. Yeah. If you're not in front of an audience doing it, you, you, you don't have that rhythm, you don't have that banter, and you don't have that uh -huh. relationship with the crowd because you base your whole timing off them and you know what's going down well off what they're laughing at. So you might go and go, right, I'll do a wee additional joke onto that or, oh, that's yeah. no work, so I'll back off, I'll change. So as good as these gigs are, and what they have been great for is a lot of folk would never think to go to a comedy club or maybe music venue and they're getting to yeah. see live entertainment in their house. Maybe they can't get out, so it's nice for them. So maybe Aye. after lockdown, there's a way to keep that going on the side, do like a streaming thing. But I think generally for comedy, you need the crowd. So it's um, it's just we can't wait to get back in front of an audience at some point. You should uh, see like what Man City have done. All right, I think it's Man City or Man U. They get like the cardboard cutouts of people. <laughs> Don't put them behind your laptop, but that'd be really handy. Yeah. Like, you can see people's faces. Like, but the thing is, like, like, the, what I love is that they try to do this, but they've not vetted who people are sent in. So no, I want no. my uncle and it's a picture of Harold Chipman. Or they've, they've gone like, I've been Laden is there. Joe, Joe Exotic, the Tiger King. <laughs> and it's like, you know, and, and what was it in South Korea? They ran out of um, scarborough cutouts, so they just put up like sex dolls. That's right, I've seen that. Yeah. I've never so seen that. Yeah, they got yeah, yeah. into a bit of bother for that, didn't they? They got into a wee bit of trouble because they wanted to make it look busy, so they had like these inflatable dolls, and they said, I don't know what the problem is, and it was sat there with the, like, the mouth. <laughs> and, open. Ah, wow, she's really excited about that goal. <laughs> but I know what you mean. You, you try and do things like that to, to make it feel like there's an audience there, and, and it can work to a certain degree, but I think... When we get it live again, that'll be a, a big moment. We, you know, uh, obviously when it's safe to do so, but we can't wait for that. Definitely. I know, I know. So w when did, um, how long were you doing comedy before you started getting into like radio? So were you working like sort of background staff before you got a chance to become like on air? Or I I'll tell you the exact thing that happened. I was working in uh, comedy for just under two years and I'd managed to do quite well when a couple of, open mic, newcomer type competitions at the Edinburgh Festival, quite big ones. I got a couple of spots on telly doing stand-up on, uh, on uh, there was a BBC New Comedy Award, so I got to the final of that, came runner-up to Alan Carr, who well. has had a pretty decent career. And um, He was just speaking about him before we came on. Eh? Yeah, he's <laughs> the 1990s game shows now, and he's just... I love it, bringing them all back, dead nice guy Aye. as well, so wish him every success. So, you know, there was a couple other, at that time I came through, it was such a good era of comedians, because you had Alan Carr was doing it, uh, Russell Howard, um, uh, oh, Jimmy, Russell Jimmy Carr at that time? Jimmy there? Carr was just a year earlier, but Jimmy nice. Carr, yeah, Jimmy. Jimmy. Carr, so you're tremendous. talking about, within a year or two, you had Jimmy Carr, you had Russell Howard, uh, there's so many, uh, Russell Brand, I was... 
gigging at the same level with Russell Brand at that time, and it was at the Edinburgh Fringe. I remember doing a thing with him, and what a journey he's had in his life. You've done a thing with him? Oh, yeah, I was on stage. um, It was a newcomers competition hosted by Graham Norton. And Whoa. pressure, and even back in the day, you know, Norton was even early noughties, Norton was, was big. Such a big oh, deal, man. And, and Russell Brand was on, and we were all doing like seven minutes each, and it was a competition. And uh, I came runner up in that to this really, really good Australian guy. I was delighted with that, you know, that I was 19, and um, Brand was on, and Brand didn't have the best of gigs, uh, but I remember just, you know, it's something about him, but he yeah, was he's quite an addictive, like you go, I want to see more, yeah. but he's. Ah, I, and it was, it was, I don't know if he does so much stand-up now, there's kind of podcasts is more what he's maybe known yes, for. He's right, big on the podcast, YouTube. Big on that. Um, and at that time, I think his life was in a bit of a bad place. I think he was an addict by his own yeah. admission. Mm-hmm. And I just remember his, his hair was soaking. People ask me, would you remember a Russell Brand about His hair was soaking. And he had a grey t-shirt on and big long hair. I thought, he needs a wash. He needs a bath. You know? <laughs> he does. Like, he always looks like that. You know, I, he's I, exactly. Oh, God. He he's, needs to cut that hair. You know what I mean? that hair. Very, very clever guy as well. It's so intelligent. See, really, really. him speak, you're like, how do you yeah, know what? A lot of, a lot really, really clever. Is he, is he intelligent or does he know really big words and put some he's no smarter than us three he just has read the dictionary a couple of times uh-huh. um but but again it was it was a, a brilliant era to, to to come through there was so many top acts he was he was one of them and uh and to be around at that time you measured yourself against all these top top drawer comedians oh, and you're still about i like you you've been cutting yeah. your teeth with people who are the top end of yeah. for 20 years, that's something to and then, for that. Exactly, and within a, you know, so obviously you get, you know, a, a couple of awards along the way, and you get noticed, and you play the fringe, and you get a couple of TV spots, and then a radio station called Beat 106, which uh, was based in Glasgow, and out across Scotland. Friday night, man. Played, <laughs> played the tunes, if you wanted the tunes, the dance, everything, it was the biggest thing going, and it, it was, was cool. Huge, man. It was cool, everybody I knew was into it. And they were needing a new breakfast show. And I'd never thought about radio, never done any of it, been interviewed on it a couple of times, that was it. They'd seen me and they'd basically, you know, sometimes you go, I was first choice for that gig, amazing. I was last pick for this. Oh, really? Really? <laughs> they'd gone through everybody. They'd gone through everybody that was available, everybody's demo. They looked at radio, TV, acting, they just hadn't worked. So they were about to launch. There was a girl called Heather Sutty. She was lined up. They wanted it to be a female doing it. Good, but attitude, something different. 20 years ago, nearly, that, was, that wasn't that ah, was as popular. I think now there's more female-led presenters. Good. Yeah. Uh, but that, that was great. And needed and wanted a, a male co-presenter. And couldn't find one. And we were looking for somebody quite young. It was literally my 21st birthday. And I got a oh. call saying, do you want to come in? And, uh, you know, we just want to look at opportunities, maybe a couple of vacancies going. I thought, oh, that's great. They came, I came in, they explained what it was, co-host breakfast show. And I was like, oh, okay, ah, yeah, yeah, try to act all cool. And they <laughs> said, do you want, would you mind doing a, maybe a wee pilot, a wee demo for it to see how it goes? I thought, yeah. They went, just now? Okay, Ooh, no time to prep. Again. No time, so here's pressure right on you. No time to prep, can't think about it. Co-presenter was there, producer, manager of the station, me, into a studio, just did like half an hour, 40 minutes, off the cuff, like that, see how it goes. And thankfully, 
I just, it, it, I took to it. I, you know, some ways, some things you do, you don't take to it. And radio, I took to really quickly. And I got the gig, and within a month, I was there. So just a month after my 21st birthday, co-hosting a breakfast show, and did I that. Have, I would have come and just started doing my, my comedy stand-up act. It's the only thing that I could see how, like, Exactly. So they've, yeah. they've contacted you, they've put you in, you've done a yeah. half hour. And with a half hour, is it as if you're kidding on your day in radio? Or is Correct. It exactly that, Kenny. Right. So it was just like, let's pretend this is live. Uh-huh. Let's do it, right? We're going to talk about this. Go for it. Talk about it. Go into a song. Talk about it. And it was just like, like doing a set at the gym. Talk about it, song. Talk aye, about it, song. Aye. Half an hour or so later, they're like, right, we've got all we need. Des, that was great. Um, give us a shout. Just before we let you go, what's your availability like? Oh, you know, yeah. I'm like, okay, that's a good question to ask. I that's said, well, question. Mm-hmm. pretty free. You know, I had been working in Quicksave, the supermarket. Well, uh, yeah, I was a shelf stacker. Oh, mate, that never leaves you. Shelf stacking. Imagine some, and, some of your best comedy would come through Safeway, man. Jeez, you know? <laughs> mate, see, see that, oh, like, see back in the day, like, but I was really, people would tell you, God, we didn't expect you to do that. You were quiet. You weren't that confident. And it was while I was there, I started to get the gigs. Oh, and then uh-huh. doing these competitions, I got a bit of prize money. I started to get some paid work. So I was able to let go of the, of the shelf stacking job. But Still, you know, every time I go into a shop now, like I, I will still, if I see oh a tin, turn it the other way and just. <laughs> and I've, I've never worked. I've never worked in a superstore, but see, my yeah. lady picks up something in a shop, mm-hmm. she takes it, and she goes, oh, "I don't want that." And I put it there. No, no, look, put it back. Pure wee pair, pure students yeah. have been studying for fifteen hours and has to come in there and eight shift in prima. This is not the ideal world for them, man. Come on. Here, here, I, I totally agree with you. And if you take away nothing else from this podcast, take away this. If you go into a shop and lift something up, then put it back. Put it back neatly in the place it's meant to go. Don't just sling it about. Don't, uh-huh. you walk into, I mean, sometimes you go into a pre-mart and go, uh, this is a jumble sale, has this place been robbed? And it is. And it's, I feel like, and this is you need the best to stick up for these. take this away, because when this, this lockdown comes up and put, oh my <laughs> God, man, the sea of people attacking pre-mart is going to be horrible. Exactly, and, and supermarkets as well, just try and oh, put it back. So nice. that, that, exactly, be nice, exactly, it's mm-hmm. extending that. Mm-hmm. So because at this time I didn't have the job in the supermarket anymore, I was free, so they knew I was available, I could start right away, and I was going to be cheap. So I'd a lot oh. gone in my favour. I'd done this good demo, my name was starting to rise at that time, and I got the gig within a month. I was on air. We did a lot more practices almost every day up to then. And that stood me in good stead. Had some great coaching. They, they brought in these outside advisors that you know specialised in coaching people and how to present. They would come every few months. And I picked up a lot of stuff from them and from watching other people. And, and it's, it's like anything. You practice your craft, you get better and better. And, yeah. and one way or another, I've still done radio pretty much solidly since then. It's, it's, it's something to be saying that because I, I didn't think there was that much they went into to radio. I thought, like, yeah, uh, I don't know if you listen, you know, Scott, but obviously, I'm sure you know Scott Mills, uh, see mm. boy Chris Stark that, that's yeah. on it with him. I always remember him coming on, he done like, like Life at the Tap End. He just mm. read for like his, yeah, his, his, uh, what was his diary at the time, say, and he's went for that to presenting it with him mm. and also doing the, the podcast with Peter Crouch. Yeah, I think that's through coaching. Or do you think, like, do you think some people are just naturally just very good at radio. It's about both. It's definitely about both. You, I think, all radio pre- presenters you, to get better should or would have been coached at a point. Like all good footballers, yeah. there's natural ability. Lionel Messi w- would have been oh, brilliant. Certainly. Otherwise, yeah. right. But you know, working under decent managers or seeing yeah. other players, he'll pick things up. 
Now, you can't make a footballer, you can't make a radio presenter, you can't make a comedian, but you can pick things up yourself by watching others that will make you better. And with the radio specifically, they have sessions where they'll listen to bits of your show. I used to hate them. Now I, I look forward well, to you them. You listen back to yourself. You, you listen back. Oh, no. oh my God, uh, why do I sound like that? Uh, but it's the only way to get better. It's the only way to hear uh, what you do and go, right, okay, that was really good. That probably wasn't. And you can hear it. And then in your head, you just carry that with you. And sometimes you'll still make the same old mistakes. But, you know, you can hear a good presenter and you'll know at some point or another, they'll have been coached or helped or they'll have picked stuff up. But you also still need the natural ability to be able to do it. There's some people who you can only coach to that level. Same in football. Yep. And there's some people who, who then take coaching yeah. well, who have talent, and wow, then they work hard. And when you can combine all of that, you'll, you'll get somewhere. And, and any profession is the same. So that, that was it for me. I, I picked it up quickly and kept doing that. And I did beat 106 for a couple of years left it for a bit, came back to Scotland, did XFM for a little bit. That That's then really big now. How big is yeah. XFM now? Huge, huge digital, Radio digital. X. Yeah, mm-hmm. huge, huge brands. Then did Galaxy, which was a big station That's for right. a couple of years, man. Galaxy. Yeah. Then that got rebranded to Capital, and that then it went huge for Very me. That's massive. when I mm-hmm. really hit my stride and, and found a massive audience and you know, we, we did well. That that show really made me in terms of radio and, and loved it. And then about a year or so ago, transferred to Heart because Capital restructured and took away their breakfast shows. And Heart's their sister station. They put me on their drive time show, which I do now. And I love it because I'd been used to getting up at about five half four, o'clock. five o'clock uh, for a long time. It was just me and foxes up at that time, <laughs> just making the bins. You, always, and, uh, you hear George Bowie moan about it all the time. Yeah, it's, it. it's, it's part of life and Bowie's done it for a long time. I did it for over 10 years and you just think the breakfast show is the big show, but you just wish it was about three hours later. <laughs> um, but but it's, it's life and, and I, I loved every minute of it and achieved so much and great memories. But, in, but now we've got another show in heart, which is building a brand new audience and right. yeah, it's, it's exciting. And I always, always seem to do sports and allergies in this, but you know, sometimes a player you know, has to leave a club and it was nobody's fault. It was, yep, it was yep. nice on both sides. And you uh-huh. have an excitement starting something new. It shakes you up and makes you think a different way. And, I you know, fresh. I'm buzzing. I'm happier on the radio now than I have been for years. So it's uh, it's a good, fresh challenge. See, see when you guys are talking, like, filling gaps. Sorry, when you're, like, filling gaps in between the songs and stuff. See see some of the stories that you, you tell. I always think, do they just make that? They must be making this up here. Does quite a lot of it happen or do you just need to just... Spout shit. Well, yeah, most of it happens. Yeah, exactly. Spouting shit. It's 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 true That's shit. Nice, Gavin, eh? Yeah, That's exactly. Nice. <laughs> well, I hundred percent it happens. It, it just right. it's obviously the way you tell it. So two, the same thing can happen to two people, and this is where the comedy's really helped me. Because I still think comedy is is the best. It's the king for me. It's it's the one I love, my first love, and being able to tell a story concisely and getting the main points out of it. So the same instant can happen to two people. One will tell the story better than the other. As you can remember the airport bombings, John uh-huh. Smeaton was just one of a group of people that were there, but uh-huh. Smeeto told the story the best. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. people remembered him. Remember, we're going to set about you and all that stuff. And uh-huh. banjo and all, whatever he was saying, you know. So, and he, to be fair to him, he was like, no, I've got to give credit to the other guys, but people just wanted Smeeto because he was the uh-huh. best storyteller. And it's a wee bit like that on, on the radio. You've got three to four hours to fill every day. So part of that will be just what's going on in the world, 
part of it will be related to your songs or, or whatever the news is, and other parts of it will be, this is my life, this happened to me today, and, you know, it's, a, it's like this podcast, are great for that, just shooting the shit and coming yeah. in and saying, this, uh, is, this uh, is what happened, and, it, and it, it's a way of getting those stories out in the, yeah, in the, the best possible way. For us that play music, we have to keep the stories tight. We have to yeah. go, right, maybe kind of limit this to two minutes max. If, we, it's a, if it's a longer story, get it up to the minute and a half, two minute mark, and then say, by the way, you've not even heard the best bit, and I'll tell you next after this. And that's the way of trying to keep people listening for a bit longer. And it, it's a way of making whatever it is, the bit of content you're doing last yeah. longer. But that, I wouldn't know that if it wasn't for coaching. Or somebody saying to me, Des, what you're saying to me is, is brilliant, but try and just keep one clear thought in the bit and the link that you're doing. And if there's another bit to it and it's really good, save it. Save it. Do it, in, do it in five minutes' time. Let the audience know there's something really cool happening and, you know, stick around. And there's a wee lesson there that I always learn. So try and, you know, make your, make your work last longer by mm-hmm. teasing it out there. And, and as I say, I think that you get found out if you start going in with fake stories. I think people yeah, sniff right. it out a mile away. And, uh, you know, uh, probably early in my career when I, I didn't have much of a life, then I'd probably have to come <laughs> in and say, oh, I just uh, bartered a giraffe. <laughs> I don't care, I bother. Did The giraffe's on the phone now. Uh, but but I, think, I think, you know, a good, good radio presenter, same as a good podcaster, it's just being, being as legit as you can. And... Uh, and people, I think, can sense, you know, yeah. real sense is real and all that. So it's, it's been great. And radio has been awesome for me. It's as well as giving me a steady income, which is, you know, <laughs> yeah, obviously important. Let's, let's be truthful about it. Mm-hmm, it's right. given me so many good memories. And it just gives you a reason every day to go and have something to say, try and be funny with it, and obviously play to an audience. And that's it's just a special thing to be able to do that. I think when you... Sorry, oh, no, okay. let, let me ask a question. <laughs> so, see, for as much as it thrives time, you're, you're still putting in a, quite a big shift, you know, because you need obviously yeah. get our information, go, right, we're going to say this, say this, say that. Say that and yeah, it, drive time's important. It's the, the two biggest shows are breakfast and drive time. And mm-hmm. uh, drive time's been more important during lockdown because people haven't been getting up that early. So, no, they have not, no, no. The general consensus is that less people are listening earlier on and more people are listening later. So we will have had a bigger audience in the last three or four months than maybe mm. we would have otherwise had. Also, it's the time when the, the big press conferences break. So any any big news stories yeah. seem to break right before the drive time comes on, and certainly with the, the pandemic that was going on. So we were essential. We became, for the first time in my life, I was a key worker. Key worker. So even the, I, I was begging for the police to stop me. <laughs> say, can he touch me, officer? Key worker. I've got a bit of paper because I got a letter. Yeah, Aye. my mum. So, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. But your mum probably deserved it, unlike me, just talking fish for often. Because we were providing a, a news service and yeah. an information as well as entertainment, we were considered key workers, so we had to get to our work to do that. And that's when you you sort of don't realise how important your job is until that. Okay, so and we yeah, got a lot happened. of lovely messages saying you know what guys thank you so much for keeping the show going because the world was really grim and quite sad Aye, been very positive quite, Aye. go be positive hearts are very positive station it's all about feeling good and and you know uh-huh. being respectful at times when there's a sad news story but also just saying come on let's get on with this it's okay we've still got permission to laugh we're all in this together and you know just 
keep, Especially keep with your going. kind of personality, it's very upbeat and it'd be yeah. your comedy since ninety or comedy since age nineteen, yeah. yeah. But that's the thing, it's 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 you know, you're right, I've always tried to find the positive in anything positive. that I can. And and the other show that I do is breaking the news for BBC that, Radio, <laughs> which is brilliant. Again, that was on air while the pandemic hit. Uh-huh. So we gone from going around the country doing this show in front of a live audience, hundreds of people, to you can't have any audiences, guys. And the big bosses were discussing whether we should pull the show, even though we were high. only half, no, even halfway through the series. And we begged them, we said, just let us do one. Let us do one without an audience and see what it's like. Because yeah. obviously they thought, can you be funny and respectful at the same time? Way back, if you remember, just pre-lockdown and when it was called, life was grim. We were getting used to hearing about hundreds of people dying, worrying if it was going to be our friends and family, and your heart was breaking. But we had to try and say, look, I think there's a way to do this where we can actually make it sound quite podcasty with me and the four guests who don't need an audience. Yeah. And we'll be sensitive. We're recording the show. If there's anything we say that you think, don't put that in, take it out, and we can cover that and any other news that's happening. Best decision we ever made. We did one so really good, big hit. It was so good. And we were able to do it really work nicely, even without the audience. We can't wait to get them back, but we're still doing it without the audience. Yeah. And we're just making each other laugh. And that's so important. It's positive, eh? like, you definitely positive, positive man. Something, something yeah, and, it, and the audience that listened. Yeah, you're right, Kenny. And people that listened said, I'm so glad you stayed on because for the first three weeks, anyway, you were the only funny thing that was happening. Uh, like they, they, a crutch for people. Like other shows really get cancelled. Eh? Yeah. Things like I Get News For You wasn't even on the air at that time. Mm-hmm. So we were the only thing where they could go right for half an hour. We're allowed to laugh. And it's a good way to try and stay upbeat and positive about it. So it kind of shows you the power of comedy, power of radio as well. And we've seen that more this year than probably any time that I've been around. Even you, you get a lot of people contacting you. Sorry, I've, I've not asked yeah. two questions in a row, but ah, <laughs> no, but you, you will as well. You got a lot of people on social and 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 emailing and texting and etc. Just saying thanks, you know. And people mm-hmm. talk about oh, there's trolls out there, and and of course there are. But but for every you know, forget the trolls. They they would just troll anybody. It's almost like you can't take it personally. It's a hobby. It's their hobby. Uh, it, it, it almost it almost means nothing to them because it, it could be you one minute and somebody else the next minute. But for when you get positive comment, when you get it, you know, well written, you take that uh, with more power than all the, the trolls give you because for somebody to take the time out to say something nice, you know they've meant it. Nobody mm-hmm. ever pretends to be nice. Some people can pretend to be nasty for attention, but. It's, it, when you get that, when you hear people saying things like, oh, I'm such a lifeline, guys, and I'm so glad that you kept doing what you were doing, it, it makes it all worthwhile, and it's it's such a nice thing to hear. Oh, that's uh, good, man. So even your talk about radio, like, uh, obviously getting up for the breakfast show and stuff like that, do you think that probably helped your mood? Because I know quite a lot of people, if you wake up at that time in the morning, you had to get up, but you are actually having to go on air, so you need to be upbeat. Does it yeah. instantly make you feel better? Definitely, Gav. It does help your mood that you know you're going to A, do a job you love, and B, you've got a responsibility to other people. If you go in the air, start moaning and whining and bitching, (laughs) people going to their work, going, hey, I'd swap places with you in a second, and Uh, I don't tune into you to hear all this negativity. I want to tune into somebody that's going to be positive, that's going to say to me, actually, yeah, I I feel better. I want them to feel better by listening to my show than they maybe did at the start. Yeah. and to help them get through the day. And even if they're going to a job that maybe they don't like, especially early doors if you're up at six, half six, seven o'clock, uh, uh, and you're maybe not enjoying your job, hearing us is a nice wee bit of routine where you go, 
oh, do you know what? That's put a smile on my face listening to that. So I've maybe woken up in a bad mood and the guys can maybe help me through that. And you've all, yeah. always got to remember this. And, you know, I speak to presenters that ask for advice. Just don't forget your audience. Just because you can't see or hear them, they are there. And there's thousands and thousands of them. And you're, you're not doing it for you, principally. You're doing it for them. So mm-hmm. it's always good motivation knowing, right, I'm getting up early doors, but there's people there relying on me. And if I can help them, then my day's been worthwhile. And you've got a bit of your purpose going, do you know what I mean? Definitely. And if you can just make one person smile or be happy and make their day just that bit better, then that's a success, you know, and you can yeah. try and keep doing that day after day. Especially if you're a comic as well. So that'll be your thing is making people laugh and smile and enjoy yeah. themselves, you know what I mean? So uh, you've got a wee added incentive you, almost. You've got to do that. And, and there's no better feeling, you know, when you get in that early on, oh, you, you've made my night, mate. You, you, you know, it's uh, a great night out. And when they say things like, oh, I've never been to comedy before, but I'll definitely come back. And you think, that's good. I'm doing a bit for the industry as well. Uh-huh. And it's not just me. Every comedian will have got that at some point. And you feel like, oh, that's good. You know, we're, we're converting people to think this is a good night out. You know, it saves just going to the pub and, you know, because you can go to yeah. the pub anytime, but why not pay a few quid? Go to the pub with your mates, but you're also seeing a show uh, right in front of you. Yeah. And some people are intimidated by things like theatres. So comedy is a good step in between the sort of pub and the theatre where you can go and it's like, actually, I can have a drink and I can see a show that hopefully is quite relatable to me and I'll laugh yeah. and I'll have a good night. And then after that, you can go home or you can go out to a club or whatever you want to do or yeah, go for something to eat. Right. The rest of the night's your own. And, and there's so many little venues as well as all the big ones that do comedy that and just maybe sometimes just a room in a pub. And you know that your job there is to help make those people enjoy themselves and have a good night. And you never want to forget that responsibility. See how when you mentioned the, the theatre that you, you've had a hell of a lot of a career in your, the panto with. Done oh. so much panto work, it's unbelievable. Wow, yeah, did, did so a lot. How does this I mean, come about? Is, is this, is oh, this another high school you, stuff? Or you go tell it, me, Gav. You did it. You, uh, you were in Cinderella at seven year old, is that right? No? Oh. Nah. All oh, right, I was just yeah, going to show you. Literally made that. Literally made that. That was great. I'm going to show my blind here. Right, hold on. Ah, yeah, right. I was looking at that article, remember? Before we came on, I said, I'm sure this. I feel the light getting a bit mental. Um, so, so I've just like come Gav, back in after just like allowing Gav to re-edit that bit where he said I was in Cinderella at seven years old. He, he, he does this every episode. Like, I feel like he Googles something and he just takes the first thing he sees on Wikipedia and goes... Oh, where's the old Wikipedia? So, where did you there find that, it? It was an article I'd seen and it said that you were uh, in Panto... It might have been 13, I don't know why I said seven. I was like young and it said it was in, you played something in Cinderella. That's just totally somebody's made up. I don't, I don't I think this is just totally made up. I love this. I think it's a brilliant <laughs> start. Pretty lovely clickbait. I love a clickbait, exactly, mate. Exactly. I, that's, that's what I want. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to use that as a true story. Um, <laughs> but see the radio tomorrow or Monday? Or absolutely, <laughs> mate. I'm there. Remember, I was on Cinderella, guys. Uh, yeah, exactly. Cinder- who's, who else remembers me in Cinderella when I was seven or 13? Um, <laughs> who did you play? Was it Cinderella? I'm I, played, sure I, I played both ugly sisters. I was there, man. Whoa, um, never. <laughs> a lot of makeup, obviously. Uh, no, I, I wasn't. I don't know. That might be maybe just a wee bit of cross wires from whoever wrote that. But um, I went to see it at that age. Um, and yeah. um, I was maybe doing the performances at the school or something. So that might have been it. But no, the first time I was in Panto was when I did it for Real at the Kings oh, yeah. in Glasgow. And it was just an amazing experience. And uh, overwhelming. I mean, taking on that task, again, another different angle in a career, a direction that I never knew I was going to go in, and then to be suddenly 
stood there on a stage every night, almost 70 performances back to back, sometimes three a day. And you're doing it to around 1,800 people a time, I think the capacity is of the Kings in Glasgow. Yeah. And you know you're walking into the footsteps of legends like Gerard Kelly's done that particular role and people like Ricky Fulton, Stanley Baxter. Yeah. So to walk on and be that guy, effectively the comedian in the show, the cheeky chappy, the buttons yeah. type role, and um, did that for five years and still was doing the breakfast show at the same time. On Capital. I mean, so you still did. Are you still doing everything this time, like comedy? And... Everything. Yeah, right. absolutely. We're still That's doing breaking the news. Uh, so I would, an average, a day on a Thursday could be go up and do Capital, do my breakfast show, go and do a matinee at the Kings, then cross the road to a venue on Sucky Hall Street, record breaking the news in front of another live audience, and then come back and do the evening performance of whatever the panto was at the Kings. Phenomenal. Do you ever get your you kind of wires crossed where you think at one oh. point you're like? You've rehearsed so many things that <laughs> you're probably going to... <laughs> Crazy, yeah. Yes, you just don't know what, what you're doing from any one minute to the next, and you could be yeah. standing thinking you're talking about Donald Trump, and the next minute you're going doing a panto. So <laughs> it, it's just it's just weird. And then obviously there's that thing of when you do the panto so many times, you've learned the script, but you forget, have I said this already? Oh, no, I said it in the afternoon show or the morning show. And it's, yeah. it's I admire Andy that does panto. It's a, it's a crazy, crazy existence. Loads of fun but it's hard, hard work. And after the five years that I'd done of it, I had a chance to switch and do another big panto. And I thought, no, I'm going to walk away from it because, wow. uh, yeah, I felt that um, it just took so much out of me. And I thought five years having a headline spot and what, to me, the biggest panto in the country, the Kings in Glasgow, it's certainly yeah, the most legendary. Um, I thought that, that'll do me for now. I don't know if, if at some point I will, go back to Panto again, but I, to me it was it was time to try and do some other things and maybe do a wee bit more TV work, which is what's happened since then. So how many hours a day? So you, you were doing Panto, stand-up, radio. So mm. what was a, a normal, five hours sleep, tops, really? Tops, yeah, yeah. You, if you were coming home from the Panto, it could be maybe half 10, 11 at night. And then of course you've got some kind of come down and then you're up about half four again. So. Yeah, maybe four, four and a half hours, if you're lucky at that time, and you're just surviving. Your voice is like almost ready to go every night. Nearly did go. Never, never missed a performance, but a few, a lot of my fellow performers missed it just because of illness. You know, people spreading all sorts. Everyone got a cold or a flu. This is is way before things like COVID, but everyone got a cold or a flu at some point. The germs and also the tiredness and how much you're using your voice, especially me. I give it 100% every single performance because I I don't have the acting ability to be any less than that. Like I, I can't <laughs> pull back and get 70%. It's got to be on or not at all. And uh, for me, it was like, you know, doing that obviously takes it out of you. Amazing fun and another part of my career that will always just have such an honour for me. Wonder and I might go back to Pano at some point, but it, it just felt like, you know, that was a really good run. Started with Cinderella. Did full circle, did all the main panels, and ended with Cinderella again. And I mm-hmm. thought, right, that's nice. That's the that's the perfect one. But of course, according to some, I've been doing it since age of seven. <laughs> so seven. it's oh a, a long career. Through. You've dragged that no. pant out for way too long, man. Listen, man, you <laughs> Thirty years doing a pant out—it's a ridiculous thing. But uh, you know, I, I loved it, and and I would never say never again. But I'm happy not having to At take that. Two, uh, yeah, it's two to three months of your life every year that just. Is, 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 is it the pictures? Yeah, it just goes from maybe 
<clears throat> sort of kind uh, of late October, early November, when the rehearsals start through to mid January, and it's uh, you know your Christmas and New Year. Are, energy, man. Yeah, mm. but you, you get Christmas Day off, you get New Year's wow. Day off, which means you work Boxing Day, Christmas Eve, Hugmanay, and you may get another couple of days off dotted in around it. But other than that, two or three shows a day every day. Well, you, like, see when you're doing all the hours, did you ever see at that point? Did you ever find any time to like, because you're quitting at your training and stuff like that, so did you ever find time to train or could you? Or no. Was it, nah, no, just... no, 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 no. I would I would just have to get in whatever shape I could get and then start the panto. And um, some people got fitter during the panto. I got fatter. In a way, because I was, um, I, yeah, you're running about and you're, I sweat so much and you're wearing layers and layers. Days, man. If you've been to any of these, oh mate, listen, if you've been to any of these shows as well, if you're already a sweater like me and you, Kenny, they then put several uh, several layers of outfits on you and no. there's makeup and there's mics and everything fitted to you and costume changes and hats and all that. And it was it was tough. Like and then you've got a very physical role, which I always had jumping about, um, which is very me. But that hmm. way you would think would keep you certainly in some sort of shape, but you, you weren't actually you weren't doing any workouts, so you wouldn't hit a gym for at least at least maybe 11, 12 weeks, you'd be away from all gym work and, and just, I'll be honest, eating a lot of rubbish at that time. It's it convenience was, eating, isn't it? That's you need to eat that, that Yeah, level. if you had no time to prepare decent grub, um, yeah. be getting up at half four and coming in at you know nearly midnight, so you're trying to just eat conveniently. Yeah. And it was it was microwave this and that and, and snacks. It's what kept you going for energy. And then you get to uh, January, you just try and... Uh, get back into the training, try and take a wee holiday, maybe end of January or something, and then February onwards, you'd start again, and that would be another kind of eight or nine months of training, just keeping fit, keeping in any kind of shape, and then you'd have to go again. It's partly why I decided to give my body a rest from that for a while, because yeah. it's quite intense. As I say, I was combining it with all my other jobs as well, and um, I, I maybe if I just didn't have the breakfast show or didn't have the other... You know, I would still be doing sometimes oh, comedy nice. gigs at the end mm-hmm. of the night. I'd come off stage at the Kings at ten and no be somewhere way. else on a stage at, at ten thirty. You know, it was it wasn't unusual to do oh, that. God, man, it's, um, a grind, isn't it? it's a grind. Sometimes I'd squeeze in a wee gig in the afternoon if there was a wee afternoon gig somewhere. It, it's you know, I've always been a grafter, but I felt I'm at sorry. that time it was it was the right thing for me to just step back and and uh, maybe take a break from doing panto. Might come back at some point, but at the moment I'm happy just doing the other things. Uh, there's something there's something I read there when you see you've been a grafter that you pure that you give your old man the credit for that, don't you? Like your folks oh, are instilling that. Doubt. Old, Absolutely, yeah, man. Uh, the Brick Lane company you see Brick Lane, yeah, you always did company. that. Yeah, re- re- retired now, but that was what my old man did. But bricky, self employed, a uh, laid brick, uh, paving the driveways, you name it. Whatever, no job too big, too small. Um, uh, he would uh, uh, turn up and drag you into uh, it. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was out on the the building sites at various points with them, trying. I mean, I, I, totally impractical. Andy knows me will tell you that. You know, <laughs> a pod, changing the light bulbs, like you know, Einstein <laughs> stuff for me. But um, but uh, you know, I'd be out there on the on the site and very quickly it was uh, then realised I wasn't going to take over the family business. But mm-hmm. what I could take away was a work ethic, and yeah. my mum mm-hmm. would help with the business as well. So the two of them gave that onto me, that that determination and, and drive. There was no history of showbiz in my family. 
I'll openly say this, I grew up in a tower block in a scheme I in Glasgow seen that. I in the Gorbals and, and I had no reference point for it. I, that's why I was really nervous when I started and had that feeling of, oh, I don't belong here, I don't belong here. Somebody with my background and my accent shouldn't be here. And, uh, you know, it took me a while to get over that and build my confidence. And the, the stand-up helped because when you go into an audience, they don't know you, they don't judge you. They just take you on your talent. And if you're funny, they'll show that by showing their laughter. And that gave me the confidence to know, well, do you know what? I'm good at this and people like me and, and obviously appreciate what I do. So... That, that helped me a lot. And as you say, the, the work ethic, obviously I took it into a different game, but I took the same work ethic that my folks had Aye, and, and that helped path. me in my job, you know. Aye. There was there was an article I was reading all that you gave yourself a quite a hard time and stuff like that. Seeing the way you grew up and you, you didn't feel this and you feel that. But yeah, it's, it's, you, you know, you do. You, you, you're, I'm proud of where I've come from. But also what it, what it gave me, unfortunately, my own fault was a lack of confidence because... Mm -hmm. When I got to that level where I'm stood at a big gig in a massive theatre at the Edinburgh Fringe or I'm stood at one of those big venues in London when they're doing a TV recording or I'm about to go on national TV and I'm standing there on Ant and Decker over there and Philip <laughs> Schofield and Holly right. Willoughby and all these people. And I'm thinking, is this a wind-up? <laughs> Am I going to wake up? Is this a hidden camera stunt? Should I even be here? And... Uh, it took me a while to actually look around and say, yeah, we all have to start from somewhere. And I think there's a lot of people, maybe from slightly more working class backgrounds that don't make it, they have the talent, but maybe not the belief. And that they're maybe, hopefully not so much now, but certainly 10, 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago when I was starting out, it was still the idea, rightly or wrongly, that, that this isn't for me. People like me don't end up doing gigs uh, like this, uh, it would uh, be maybe someone with a bit of a posher voice or <laughs> maybe come from a more middle-class background or whatever. Uh, but I, I think and I hope that that's, that has geez. changed a lot. And I, I think, you know, the, the example way back in the day that breaks that mould from the start was Connolly, who came from a working-class Glasgow background. And it shows you've got the talent, the belief and the confidence. You can get there. Uh, it doesn't come sure. right away, but it's maybe uh, another battle you have to win with yourself. It's the ethic in it because I feel like obviously today society with social media all that sort of stuff you can break down a lot of barriers very quickly but yeah work hard work but you can't be ticked like you said no. you've worked really hard to be where you are and it's certainly no by oh you got lucky you've worked Ugh. really hard I thank mean, you yeah it's, there's no such thing as a lucky break you, you've got to be yeah. working your backside off to even get in a position to take advantage of the break and it's mm -hmm. amazing most people will get a wee rubber the green somewhere, but the good ones hopefully will take advantage and, and work hard to to make it and to still keep doing what I'm doing at this level after 20 years, that's unbelievable because I've seen so many people that I think are maybe more talented than me that have slightly fallen by the wayside and it's maybe not been their fault and, and you don't know why and sometimes it is a bit luck. So I always said, look, I'll, I don't think anybody will ever outwork me. So Aye, no, if, I can, if I can keep the hard work going, then I'll be ready when, when the chance comes. And whenever it's, you know, come my way, I'd like to think I've, I've made the best of it. So even going back, I was watching a wee highlight reel, Des, and it was like kind of like all the shows and stuff you'd been on. And uh, <laughs> one of them was a cracker, actually. With a cracking hairstyle. I think it was on Offside with Tom Kelly. Oh, mate. 
mate. The, the, the shows <laughs> I've been on, I mean, you know, talking about working hard, working hard to be a professional tip on some of these oh, shows no. at various to be points. Fair, it was quite funny, so. All right, okay, well, fair enough. But the, you're right, the state of the hair that was at that time, I think somebody. I was either getting a mullet or somebody put highlights <laughs> in it. I think there was a time where it, highlights. It, 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 yes. everybody had played for Hibs at one point. I think <laughs> had like tail, like Gary O'Connor and all that. <laughs> had Gary the blonde tips, uh, and uh, the mad sort of half mullet cut. And uh, I don't know. I don't think it was ever fashionable, but I thought I'd give it a go. And um, you know, it's been, but that's been great. The amount of shows that I've done. You, you mentioned Offside, which I was brilliant being on with Tam as a guest and doing some regular spots in that. And uh, the sports stuff, I did Sports Round, sports which was the News Round spin-off, which uh-huh. went out all over the UK. I, I presented Man United TV for over what, two years. You? Yeah, live. I used to go into Manchester and do a, 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 their weekly magazine show. I, I, broke the news of Ga- I broke the news of Gary Neville's retirement. Like, really? I mean, yeah, well, I, I don't think he even knew at that point. <laughs> but, uh, there's, yeah, a lot, there's a lot of shock going on here. Was this oh, due to how well your gigs were going and how popular you were in Manchester? It was weird. Yeah, I'd done it. I had a bit of following down in Manchester and uh, it was good down there quite a bit. And also my, my showreel was kicking about um, and I'd done a fair bit of presenting and I'd done the sports round thing. So they knew that I was interested in sports mm-hmm. and they said, do you want to come down here? And they thought, you know, it's a it's a live show and it lasts for an hour. We take phone calls. We have guests, usually an ex-pundit. We've got a live audience in the room and we show some footage of maybe United's game at the weekend or maybe then, you know, the under-21s or whatever. And uh-huh. and it, it worked. I did that for a couple of years. And the only reason I stopped doing it is because they changed the time of the show and it couldn't work with me getting back up to Glasgow at the time because I, I wasn't driving. So I would have had to have got the train. Hey, and, recently, and train. recently passed. Recently, a big change, <laughs> exactly. Them, them, Des. Get on the exactly. phone. I know. Get back down now. Just Listen, time. Ollie, come on. It's no Ollie that's <laughs> a wheel. Des is at the wheel. Aye, come on. Aye. Aye. Um, Des is actually. <laughs> Literally there. But that, <laughs> but that, six points. Yeah. <laughs> I think I had more points than they had at one point. But, uh, oh, exactly. Bit, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll just recently talk about it before we come on, but they won 2 1. Eh? Saw that, yeah, they won 2 1 in the FA Cup. Aye, so I still aye, keep in touch with the, you know, some of the people that work there and, and follow the results, etc. You know, and they, they were very nice to me in the. The, the fans there were great. They used to be a, like a cult following. We'd come back each week. I remember one week uh, I was asked my favourite United player ever. And I said, well, obvious answer, Ryan Giggs. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's won everything in his life. This is before the stuff came out about him and his whoa, brother's whoa. life, etc. So <laughs> it, it wasn't as controversial. Um, but then the next day, somebody turned up with a giant portrait framed they'd done of Ryan Giggs. Uh, semi-naked, wow. sitting by the FA Cup. I thought semi-naked, <laughs> semi-naked. I won't tell you, you what. Imagination. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was funny and, uh, and but, but dead nice. But again, different, different journeys in your life. SMTV was a massive show for me. Yeah. Saturday morning telly, huge. millions of viewers, that huge. ITV. Massive. This was big. Aunt and Deck had previously done it. My era was uh, me. If you remember, Cat Dealey. Yeah. Uh, Cat Dealey. That's uh, what I was thinking. Eh? She's brilliant. Tess Daly, Brian Dowling. So there was a good wee presenter, Stephen Mulhern. So there's a lot of that. They oh, were the presenters. Steve. Yeah. Legend. So the last, I did the last year of the show and it was so good. Like it was just every week was different. You'd have a big buzz. TV celebrities, big buzz, music stars, live audience, sketches, interviews, you name it. Then just randomly, you know, here's SpongeBob SquarePants. 
don't know why, but it, was, it worked. It worked. Hey. It was magic. And I got to meet Ant and Deck as well. Because when they were doing the last few episodes of the show, they did like a best of thing and, and the guys came on it and they were lovely. Said some really nice things about me and enjoying me on the show and thought it was really good and, and, and said, you know, when we finished the show, we stepped aside to do other things and watching what you've done with it is great. And hearing yeah, a different accent from right. outside London, you know, they're Geordie boys and they heard a Glasgow boy in that. So they said you absolutely kept the standard right up. And uh, That's a confidence booster if you get any, Ed. Unbelievable. Uh, right, no, un- un- you, unbelievable. They're probably arguably yeah. the best, like, the best um, presenter. Yeah, I love, I love them. Like, I, yeah, all time, I think now. You'd have to say the best TV presenters that UK's aye. ever produced, you know, yeah. the awards that they've won, the, the shows, every show been a massive hit, the millions and millions of years. Like, consistency. Again, what you're talking 25 years in the game, from easy, kids' yeah. telly all the way up, and they are the box office names. So yeah. to get compliments from them and to fill their shoes... Again, big pressure, but you know what? You have to go for it. You have to presume, give him a best, might not get a chance like this again. And young guy, just turned 22. Again, this happened all at a really young... Have you done that? Oh my just, God, absolutely, man. yeah. Again, all kind of early noughties. Brilliant. And it was I, I, just on your shoulders, li- live TV, millions of people watching, no second takes. And it was it's amazing. But this is what happens. Opportunities get presented to you and people will get breaks and you just try and take them the best that you can. The highest pressure one I ever had was definitely Commonwealth Games. It was the closing Don't ceremony. That. that was class. Ho- oh, thank God. you, mate. Hosting it live, being from Glasgow, so proud. Yeah. And they estimated they couldn't keep definite records because every country has, has a different mm-hmm. you know, measuring Game system. Scale, yeah. But they estimate for an audience was around about one billion because oh. of the Commonwealth, <laughs> it goes across you know all of Africa, all of Asia, India, Australasia, Canada. Canada so you're, right. you're talking about some of the most populated countries in the world mm-hmm. watching this. You know, it's not just a Scotland or UK yeah. thing. And trying to get through that without just it's... swearing, no, <laughs> just without just saying, "Oh man, what a games! It's been fucking brilliant, lads. Have a good one." Here's, here's Kylie Minogue, you know. Uh... And, uh, <laughs> Mad times, but a great, great year for Scotland. That 2014, we had um, no, loads, no. loads of big events. MTV Awards, etc., came here, and um, and, and Minaj, obviously presented her, didn't you? You Yeah, absolutely, stage. absolutely tremendous. Uh, got Did you everybody meet singing. Metal, yeah, got everyone singing the Proclaimers. Uh, Five hundred <laughs> miles the, going nuts. Her people were saying, "What song was that?" And what song was that? Who was it? So I, I gave it. I went, look, Proclaimers 500 Miles. I got it up. One of the, I, I, I said, it. I've just recorded that two minutes ago, Nikki. And uh, <laughs> she, she tried to do it. And uh, God bless her. She's a better rapper than me, but she didn't have a clue no, how to sing up. the Proclaimers. Nah, <laughs> just, I would mm. walk 400 miles. you talking about? No, um, so, <laughs> I know you're but, your ass. <laughs> but amazing experiences, as I say, you know, meet, meeting all these people. Commonwealth Games, great for Scotland. Hamden Park, talking 50,000 people, mm-hmm. jumping, Kylie, you know, quite emotional as well. A, a billion watching at home. And it's all the experience that I've had. And everything was coming to my mind that night. The fact that from the flats, I could look out the window and see Hamden when I was a kid growing up, living in Kings Park for so many years where I could see Hamden out the window. It had become this focal point of my life. I was now standing in it, speaking to not just the nation, but the world. The biggest mm-hmm. broadcast that's ever come from Scotland was that. And I was like, what? This amazing thing had uh... just, just happened. And I just thought, 
let's get through it, try and be me and try and do myself and Scotland proud. And, and I think we all did that. It was a great couple of weeks and we all played our part. It was, it was a really class time to be in Glasgow. Did they, did they tell you, listen, there's going to be a billion people watching this, so <laughs> keep your screwed on. Yeah. Or did you just let you do it and just... No, no, no I'll tell you. Billion. Yeah. <laughs> Aye. That's enough that. to shake anybody, surely. That, that's going to get you going. That's going to get you running to the toilet a bit, the old uh, 100%. billion viewers. We need this before you go on. Just to <laughs> come nerves. Whew, right. Uh, uh, just a billion, is that what I'm saying? Um, no, they, they, do you know what's funny? Because I was I was signed up to do the warm-up for the opening ceremony. So that was a pre-show where uh, it started. That was Celtic Park. They'd go on air at 9 o'clock. I would go on at 14 minutes past 8. So on a 24-hour clock, I'd enter the stage at 2014. <laughs> Very clever. Mm-hmm. I would then host this pre-show that was filmed for the Red Button, where I'd introduce various different people. We'd do some games with the crowd, etc. So that's what I was lined up to do. So they had a look at me, kind of rehearsing for that, and uh, it was going well. And uh, then they came to me and they said, um, we've got an idea, Des, and we're, we're finalising what to do for the closing ceremony. So this is before the games had even started. We're finalising what to do for the closing ceremony. And we're going to do something different, because usually there's not a presenter that does these ceremonies. They just happen in the background. Yeah. Some people might come on, say a wee bit, and go uh, off. But there's not one presenter that guides you through it. We thought, we'll try to do something different. We're giving it a festival-type feel. We're going to have all the athletes and the pitch and tents and the crowd, and we're going to just give it summer festival-type feel, just have a right good laugh and a celebration. Hopefully, it'll have been a good couple of weeks. Um, would you be interested in being involved? I thought they wanted me to do a warm-up thing again for, like, the red button. I went, oh, <laughs> that would be an honour. Fantastic. You know, south side of Glasgow, Hamden, has been such an important part of my yeah. life. National Stadium be great. They went, right, well, here's what happens. When we go live... You're going to have an earpiece in and you're going to just be guiding through it and you'll introduce Kylie. And I was like, was she playing the pre-show? He went, no, 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 Des, you're hosting the main show. You're going to be the last thing that people see at the end of the games. Well, I'll be honest with you, I've never had a laxative like that statement. (laughs) Very descriptive, Des. Wow. And they're like, are are you up for it? I went, went, mm, yes. Uh, Five octaves up, hit puberty. So obviously I said, yeah, absolutely up for it. And from that moment on, the excitement in me, knowing that I was going to do this, the biggest TV broadcast that's ever come from Scotland, I've flicked it. I don't know how I've got it, but, but I'm the one that chose to present it. And it, and it was just a magic experience. Being a big sports fan as well, proud yeah. Scott, proud Glaswegian. Uh-huh. It's it's when when people say the biggest gig you've ever done, I don't know anything that can ever supersede that. But that will always be the one that I go to, and, and I, I really quite, enjoyed it. It's quite good to have that as well because see when you think you're getting nervous about something new, you can always think back to that moment and think, well, I had a billion people watch me live. <laughs> yeah, do, do you know, at um, Hamden. Yeah. What's that, mate? You spoke other languages, other languages, just, just, just. Aye, absolutely, yeah, everyone, yeah, massive in Uganda now, just, uh, <laughs> after, imagine. just picked up all the language. But yeah, I was, I was great speaking uh, to that audience, and, and obviously it was part of the games, doing different things throughout it, and, and it was, um, it was brilliant just, just to go on there, and as you say, after that, you've not, an ex- you've not got any excuse to be nervous about anything, once you've done a gig that effectively perform uh, to a billion people people with 50,000 in in the stadium live TV no auto cue you're just there no auto cue at all 
No, okay. no cue cards either. I, there was no were saying, sort of like, we're going to see this, we're going to see that. It was just all kind of, all up here. goes. All up here. It was a case of they gave me a guide script, but they said, look, you know, you'll be in the moment, you'll be live. So, you know, there's your script. But if you want to change it and you react to something, then you can just, you know, be careful, I mean, taste and decency and don't swear, etc. Uh -huh, and uh, uh -huh. there was no auto cue given to me. And they were wanting me to hold cue cards. But I had a look at the cue cards and, and they were nice, but I thought they looked quite naff. And I thought mm -hmm. it just looked better and more natural me talking to the camera with a mic because that's that's me, that's my stand-up, that's what do I do. Yeah. So I decided on the day to say, I'm just going to have to keep this in my head and memorise what I'm roughly going to say and then just take it from there. And that's exactly what I did. So everything that I did in that entire broadcast to a billion people was completely ad-libbed and none of it was in auto-cue, none of it was in cue cards. So there's a lot to be said for that, no. <laughs> pure luck, Gav. Pure <laughs> luck, my friends. That is what it's about. And then yeah. I have to say, I just I just went for it. All I could do was was enjoy the moment. I always say that, smell the roses at the time, enjoy what you're doing. So you don't just look back and say, I never savoured enough while I was doing it. I did. Yeah. I really I took it all in. I was standing in the middle of that, just waiting for the camera to come to me saying, This is magnificent, this is glorious. And then there's just a wee bit at the end where I kind of get a bit emotional. I'm introducing that song, Caledonia. And I'm oh. just saying, you know, enjoy it, haste you back. Hope you've had a great games. And here it is. And I'm I'm getting, you know, That's almost well enough at the time. It's goosebumps. Oh yeah, exactly. That's I can class. do that. Yeah. It's not just comedy I do. Oh, no, man, no, I can... It's only fans and it's sent goosebumps. That's what it is, mate. Well, it is, but, but you know what? An amazing journey, you know, to, to start from where I was with no thought or ambition this could ever happen to me. And it's proof that, I guess, if you graft at it, you've got to have some talent, a bit of belief in yourself. You can do it. And, uh, and I'm lucky enough that I've been able to do a job that I love for the last 20 years. So we, we did have a question saying the scariest moment of your career. <laughs> That's surely it. Oh. Come on, man. Look, <laughs> I, was one point, yeah, I was going to just miss that one out. That. <laughs> no, 100%, to, yeah. To, to, to let, let people know that no, we're actually writing questions, then. <laughs> um, like me, you're not working off auto cue, so I admire professionals. No, we're not as good as that. We carry work with it. Exactly. Some sort of good stuff. Things. Love it. Um, SMTV, you've covered. Like, I, how did you end up with that? Did that just again, just again, what last choice? Yeah, I mean, the, I'm, I'm the last, last choice. choice. Guy. The last <laughs> choice again. They've been through everybody's Surely tape. Not. I, I think they were. They were looking at somebody that was going to come in that would maybe uh, have a regional accent, not the usual London, not maybe somebody different, take a little chance on someone. And the stand-up had been going well for a couple of years now. The radio had gone well for a year. And a phone call came to my agent at the time, just a general casting call. She sent a tape down. They liked it. They talked. They met with me in London. And uh, that was it. No audition. Simple. Just they saw it all on tape. Gosh. They met with me in London and said, you'll do. We want somebody that can do comedy, that can present, that's got a regional voice. You know, the fact you're young is great as well. And uh, you're a fan of the show, which I was. I used to watch it. And uh, you, you've got all the different bits that we need. And I was the only one that ticked all those boxes because it's quite a unique skill uh, to be able to do all that. Because you can get someone that presents. Can they be funny? Can they, can they do a wee sketch? Can they just take... It's very, it's very much like, yeah, kind of like Saturday Night Live almost kind of way in it. It's yeah. Like, Get everything rolled into one. Yeah, it's exactly like a big fan of that show historically, yeah, and even now I still catch it at times. But that's it. You've got to be able to do the sketches, the comedy. You know, you have got to present as well. Be able to transfer what you do for a TV audience at home. So there's yeah. loads involved, and it. it was ultimate multitasking. And again, 
Last choice. Nailed They've it. been through everyone else's tape. They got mine and they said... Nobody was good enough. Okay. Nobody was good <laughs> enough. That's it. And I, I met the requirements and and, and that, that was it. And that, that really was special for me. And, and again, a great year or so in that. Just so many happy memories. It's only one Des Clark who doesn't audition. He just takes bags and jobs. It's easy. <laughs> it's, 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 it's almost that way when... When you have no other option, I'll be there. <laughs> no, oh, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. I'm sure, but no, it was it was a lovely, lovely thing to do. And again, it's that moment of just being in the middle of it, going, "This is surreal," but I'm in the ITV studios and I'm live to the nation, and it's magic. TV, SMTV, CITV. Was it? What was the other one before? It was on SMTV. There was another show before. Weakest that. Link. CD UK. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, Weakest Link. That's just saying a little arm. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, again, I was. Uh, weirdly, I've done a couple of guests. I'd love to host a quiz show. Um, but uh, I was a guest. I was a contestant on Weakest Link, stand-up comedian special, and I got to the final three, and I was voted out even when I wasn't the weakest link. No, that's still going about it. Um, but. Uh, that, that I know exactly. It's, it's still something that I'm complaining to the BBC about. So that was good fun. I went on Eggheads as well a couple of years ago. Oh. I did Eggheads and uh, I beat the Egghead. Oh, so I, I'm, I'm not as daft as I look. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I've never looked daft. Come on. Yeah, I know. And I beat it. It was, it was a music quiz and, and lucky. I thought music or sport would have a chance if I got the questions fell my way and, and uh, you know, the guy you didn't know. You know, I got all mine right. I think only he got, he only got one of his right. So I did did well and, and does, enjoyed that. Always love watching a quiz, so it was nice to actually be on one. And it's uh, an ambition does. to host one at some point as well. Did you get Netflix or Got it, mate. Yeah. There's a. I can't kind of stop watching American uh, game shows now. Minute mm. to win it, they play things that you can do in the house, and I'm really? like, ah, I can do that, mate. You, <laughs> <laughs> you can win a quarter of a million, and I'm like, ah, I'd be in the bank wow. now, man. A quarter of a million. That. Love all that stuff. You know, well, I've been watching a couple recently. One is the Titan Games hosted by oh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah. Love The Rock. Massive That's wrestling fan. Massive wrestling fan. Yeah, that's the one you were telling me about, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's The Rock. It's just something else, didn't he? Superstar. Yeah, oh, yeah. So you're talking about you're, you're saying obviously you've rock, a lot. You know? I'm, the, I'm <laughs> the pebble. That's what I'm, mate. <laughs> <laughs> the pebble? No, no. You're taking that for the girls. Yeah. Name, Come on. I, exactly. Yeah. You on it. But he's so, the guy, if you want to talk about graft, I mean, The Rock, I loved him in the rest of them. I used to watch it. Do you know his full story? Like, I, don't, I don't know all the background, but I know he went through some um, hard times. He was an American football player. Um, he got cut. And when he got cut, uh, all he had in his pocket was seven cents. I think it was in Canada, it's in Canada I get cut. I never wanted to do wrestling, his dad had a background in it. And eventually he said to his dad, right, I'll do it. This might be lies, right, but it might be truth. So well, but we, me and Gav go on and the, the honest that everything I say and everything Gav says on this podcast is truth. So well, his dad got me I, he- I heard the I heard the rock was in Cinderella at the age of seven. <laughs> so, uh... so you're right, you're right. It never went well from it never went well. So he made it the slipper never fitted him. Um, Brilliant. And, so after if after he he done that, he called and he said, Can I get a wrestling? Can I wrestling? The character they gave him didn't go too well and he said, Listen, can I go out and be myself? And wow. He was himself and that the rest is history. Really that that's it. I mean Kevin Hart, I'll he's just got say. A, he's got a label, a label called Seven Cents Media or something like that. And that's, ah, and that's named after Seven Cents. Uh, fact, you only had that amount of money. Brilliant. So you just you know, talk about like, these these kind of superstars days that you've you've obviously kind of brushed shoulders with massive mm. Um, massive, massive celebrities and people. And yeah, is there, has there ever been a moment when you've been like really starstruck? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I, uh, yeah, a lot of times, I guess. Um, Coming on this podcast, maybe? I mean, obviously, with you two, <laughs> 100%. Um, but yeah, early days, we had Madonna on the show, for example, oh, and right. somebody like that, you're just like, whether you like her music or not, somebody that has been a world superstar for 30, 40 years, it's just like, geez, that's Madonna, and I met Paul McCartney. Right. Um, wow, man, Love the Beatles, met them backstage. I was recording a show, a youth show uh, for Sky One at the time, and we used the MTV studios, and he was in doing something for MTV or VH1, and um, I just got my makeup done, and I um, I got up out of the chair, because you got your makeup done for the telly, and in walked <laughs> McCartney, and I'm like, <laughs> ah, what the? <laughs> and he's like, Are you finished? Yeah, by the looks of it. You have. Can I have what he's having? And it was like all oh, wow. that nice. sort of. And I was like, "Hi, Paul. I'm really seventy as well." Yeah. Um, so he's dead nice guy. But that was a moment because I wasn't expecting it. Because it wasn't like you get time to prepare. So right, here's the thing. You've got to interview someone. I'm like, all right, okay. I'm going to have a day or two to get ready for this and chill out. It's when somebody just walks towards you and you're just face to face with. Paul McCartney, and that's what I'm saying. This 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 job's weird and wonderful that you can just meet. I remember yeah, being yeah. on holiday in America and, and um, uh, meeting Amanda Evander Holyfield in the street. Wow! <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> what? Who's he? Who's he? Who's he? Yeah, it was like a bit chewed up. But I think he's had like, a wee bit of plastic surgery or something aye. to fill the gap. Aye. And I'm like, oh my God, that's it's Evander Holyfield. Um, but there's and some random ones like that. But you, you just don't know. And, and the SMTV days, we'd interview all the pop stars. Uh, we had like Britney and people like that on as well. And ah, it's mad. There's no mad. It's, it's very oh, normal yeah, it's, for the job you're but, doing. But, 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 but it's, it is mad because like the day before, you're just hanging out with your pals, playing a game of pool in the pub. And the next day, you're interviewing Britney. And you come back up the road and you're just back. And also, like, for years to come, like, you know, in 30 years' time, you'll look back and you'll be like, fucking hell, I actually interviewed... These people and yeah, phones, uh, aye, that generation. Aye. Yeah, well, I'll never forget the Britney interview because it was on SMTV again. It was live, and that's when she was a bit mental. Was it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was, uh, and, and she had a lot of big security guards with her. And I was dressed as Eminem. It's a long story. Oh, right? I but, seen that. I seen that right? uh, sketch. Yeah, man. So we did a sketch <laughs> called Eminem Deal, where it was like, <laughs> what if, what if Eminem the rapper suddenly found out that. He was related to all the people in Emmerdale in Yorkshire, and he would come in, and so everyone else had Yorkshire accents, and I would just come in the middle and just start rapping, try to do my best kind of Eminem. Absolutely <laughs> nonsense. Man. Oh, man, so, so bad. So, so bad, it's good, right? But um, it was, uh, I mean, the other ones we had, we did was like um, Ghost Busted, which was like, if the guys we busted were in Ghostbusters, it was mental, right? So we did Eminem oh. deal. And part of the sketch was I had to jump through a... a a plastic, no, a fake like foam style wall dressed as M, pardon me, dressed as Eminem and surprised Britney Spears because I think there'd been some sort of war of words between Eminem and Britney and all that and, and uh, Britney Spears, sitting here next to Britney Spears, all that stuff, right? Yeah. So um, then the next, uh, nobody had told her, nobody had told her uh, people, her bodyguards. Oh. So partway through the, the skit that they were doing, I've jumped no. through the wall, I've done it in rehearsals, it's been all fine. I've jumped through the wall, full Eminem. At the time, it was kind of white bandana, white yes. t-shirt, dungarees, classic Eminem. Uh, and he was wearing like a kind of slasher mask and all that. So I've jumped through the wall. They've thought 
an intruder's gone to set, maybe a stalker, let's take this guy down. They start to come on to set, they have to be kind of, no, he's one of a producer, try to hold the big guy back. Brittany doesn't know what's happening, they're all trying to reassure her that everything's okay. Unbeknownst to me, the wall is, I might be breaking it through with a plastic chainsaw, long story. Um, the wall uh, doesn't break the way it's done in rehearsals. I think it was tougher or something. It was there. Uh, I actually started bleeding from my hand, and you can't see it clearly on this, but there's a wee little ridge. Scar? Right? That ah. scar's from that day, and I'll never forget Brittany because I get that scar yeah. interviewing Brittany Spears on live telly. That telling. is the worst <laughs> so, memento. Imagine, imagine Brittany, yeah. right? Brittany sat there on, on just a kid's show. Somebody dressed as Eminem comes out with what she thinks is a chainsaw bleeding through the hand, starting no. to wrap into her face. Like, no wonder security came for me. Definitely. Um, no, 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 it was a good, and, it was a good show. And it, and it was just after that that she went mad and shaved her head. So, so I'm, you, I'm, you caused <laughs> that. If I caused it, Brittany, I'm taking this opportunity in this podcast to say sorry, but it <laughs> looks like you got it out of your system and you've got your life together. So in a way, I think, I hope I helped you. So, no, we'll, pa- we'll, yeah. we'll pass that on because we're, we're, we're sure that she'll hear. I heard she's on episode 14, so, like, That's, you know, you're gonna, it might be your next big guest. Exclusive. You see, did you ever meet with a, you were doing my new TV, did you ever meet with Sir Alex or anything like that? Or? Yes, met Sir Alex, uh, met Bobby Charlton, met all oh. these guys with a great aura about them. And uh, he, But Sir Alex was just dead nice. Really, really uh, he nice. He just seems like I'm just a normal guy for Glasgow. That, that yeah. is just what he seems like. A hundred percent. And I know that there's maybe some people have fearsome reputation of him when he's the manager and the, yeah. you know, Fergie time and the hairdryer treatment. But see, when you speak to him away from it all, he would, couldn't be nicer. And Fergie's the boss of Man United. So to get a gig in MUTV, if Fergie doesn't like you, you won't last long. Put it that yeah. way. So wow. I met him very Three briefly. Years, yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, the fact I was Scottish, obviously, he loved it. <laughs> to the point where even before Darren Fletcher was called, the people thought I was Fergie's son. That's why I did the gig. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, oh, you want to Fergie's children or something? Yeah, well, no, but I'll take that. But yeah, he, he was really nice and, and loved it and talked about the south side of Glasgow and um, the Blythewood, uh, not the Blythewood, the... Uh, Oh, there's a hotel. Oh man, it's totally skipped my mind right now. But it's near Hamden, and right. uh, he, he used to always go in for like his dinner there after it. And I, I know it really, really well. And it was near where oh, I used to live, worse, back in Kings Park. So, so, I, so I, I, obviously I remembered it at the time, but uh, it's totally uh-huh. skipped my mind now. Uh, and uh, it's uh, and, and we chatted away about that. So that gave us something nice to talk to. A icebreaker type a thing. Lovely wee icebreaker. And then we talked uh, about football as well, um, which, which he was remembers, great. He remembers yeah. everything, eh? Like, he remembers oh, so much about football, man. It's unbelievable. He's, he's absolutely just an, a knowledge, a fountain of knowledge That's about so I was gonna football. Say that there, just, anyway. And he, rem- he remembers man, everybody's uh, name as well. He's great uh, at that. My old man was a, was a chef uh, before he passed away, and he's got a, we've got a signed uh, match day a program and he's he signed wow. it and stuff like that and I was like wow that's, that's crazy and <laughs> I never ever knew that you were, you were associated with Manu TV man this weirdly yeah yeah I mean just weird it, it was a job and then it became just a brilliant thing and uh, I, I loved spending time in Manchester and used to go to some of the games if I, if I wasn't too busy and yeah it was it just that's really cool I love cool. just talking football talking sport and to get yeah. paid to do it just was that's brilliant a, that's a dream that's a dream isn't yeah. it to speak and talk about something that you love you're still yeah. doing it like today, like you, yeah. you know, on the radio and stuff like that. Lucky boy. Lucky, 
Okay, bar steward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Des, what's, what's the plans then for the future? Have you got anything in the pipeline that you could talk about, or is it everything just kind of on hold just now because of the it, whole? A bit of both. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, there's nothing. Um, that, there's no exclusives or anything like that. Des doesn't do is my latest do venture. Exclusives, Dave. Yeah. Des. Well, that. Well, that's that's the, the big. Uh, if I wish I had one, but Des doesn't He's do. He's going to get is, a hot air balloon uh, flight person. That, that you go. I, I am that's... absolutely going to be a hot air balloon flight person. I'm glad that this is the moment to take that. I might be one of the ideas. But no, the, the documentary thing something I've moved into in the last couple of years. It started with uh, the triathlon for sport relief where I get oh, taught to that. swim and that, cycle man. and drive a car, which is a whole new avenue of presenting for me. And uh, uh, first time I've ever cried on camera because lo- lifelong crippling fear of swimming and water swimming. generally Aye. and it was you know having to do the outdoor swimming to put on the wetsuit and we did Loch Lomond, Loch Ness and the, the final one oh, was wow. across the, the River Tweed to swim across the River Tweed from the border going from Scotland to England and it was amazing at one side of the border was man. Michelle McManus and a choir singing 500 miles and the other side of the border was like a troop of about 20 Morris dancers I was just, that was another moment I thought, wow, this is mental. I, I could die, but I, I don't know what, I, I might be in heaven already, but this is like weird. And it was, it was the weather was so cold and it was like day one of, do you remember the beast from the east? That oh, horrible right. weather. So it was like that's snowing. A, oh, freezing. That's, uh, that's, that was it's physical, physical that challenges was... and that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you know, to, to push yourself that bit. And then obviously learning to ride a, a bike was, it was embarrassing that I got to, that stage, my mid to late 30s, and couldn't go a bike. And, you know, seeing something that a three-year-old can do that I can't was just bad. But we got so many celebs help us. Chris Hoy got involved with that, and he helped. Ah, no, I know. I see online, man. Talked to the bike by Chris Hoy and Grado. What an experience that oh, was. Oh, Grado's <laughs> a character. Aye. Love him to bits. And he's then, class, uh, isn't he? He's quality, he's funny never, guy. I, not that I know him personally, but it just seems like he's never took button too serious it just seems like everyone's just a big laugh oh, right, he's, so he's well just right. just such a cool guy and 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 you know as i say gone from the wrestling diversified done his own thing yeah. and he's been with me in all, a lot of these shows so i love him love him a lot but yeah and then it was the learn to drive and that then got me we bit of national exposure again nice doing a bit for charity as well and got, did some more stuff down south then got a documentary series off the back of that called des doesn't do which is I've more seen, uh, every yeah. episode i learn a new, a new task or new something i'll do something i've never done before yeah. again party of was facing my fear of heights but then there was other ones you know dogs i've never had a dog i was scared of them growing up so it was all weird like babysitting looking after kids you know learning to cook for the first time properly so it, it's nice it's, it's actually learned me how to be a grown-up for the first time in my life <laughs> and, and get paid to do it so there's a new series of that that's been commissioned it was meant to be filming right now it will film later in the year so when, when things are back to so normal see the, the babysitting the kids has that been filmed yet that's been done that was part of the first series that's yeah all that done. stuff was that was they, they just if you've got a wee girl, you've got a wee girl I'm, I'm looking for work, mate. So, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's been tough for both days. So, we'll, 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 exactly. Child care. You can come round. You know what I mean? But that, all that's been good. That's so, that, that's definitely next. Obviously, uh, more stand up, which is, is going to happen when the clubs get going again. We're all itching to do it. Zoom gigs are fine, but let's get back out there. Yeah. Let's um, let's do some more, more gigs in and around Scotland, maybe a few more down south. And then there's the radio, Breaking the News is back on at the moment, the weekly news is panel good, show. Man. It's just, yeah, it's good fun, positive. man. It's just more positive, man. I've, I've never, ever enjoyed the news. I feel like 
See, you wake up, you watch the news, depress you, go to work. I know. Make them enjoy yeah. your job, then you come home, watch the news, depress you. And it's just that pattern. You need to break it, man. Russell Howell, yeah. yourself, just doing a, bit, a lot better things than... You need to have something positive, man. You, just... you do. And that's the thing. It's all about being positive. And that's, again, the Heart Show, Heart, uh, Heart Radio, every day. Got that in the drive time, breaking the news. Des yeah. doesn't do coming back. Uh, I did the uh, Hogmanay show, so that was oh, a big moment as well. Right. Mate, again, live. What, what is it with me doing live TV? <laughs> and that's the biggest show of the year in Scotland. Yeah. So yes. you're talking about anywhere from 65, 70% of the viewing audience. You know, there's hundreds of channels. They're all watching that one channel at that time. And I've got that big moment of counting down to the bells. And it's like, geez. Every year that you, you, you can do that every year and... Well, we'll, we'll see what work? happens. They, they switched it up, and and they, you know, they, they decided to do something different. So they had Susan Calman doing a show that they pre-recorded in Glasgow with different entertainment oh, bits, weird, and they had they had me, or but they hadn't, they didn't usually do it from Edinburgh, but they had me that's in the middle right. of the street party in Edinburgh, freezing my backside <laughs> off, <laughs> standing there again. It's it's shown on on red button. It's shown in various parts of the world, and it's obviously massive in Scotland. But a huge honour to be that guy that says happy new year and is, is the person that leads you into a new year and, and starts your party and, and hopefully yeah. associated with good memories, a, a big memories, responsibility. And of course, I'm standing there and I've seen a couple of memes going like that, my pals have put up. I'm standing <laughs> there saying happy new year, 2020 is going to be fantastic. <laughs> it's going to be the best year ever, not a oh, pandemic, hi. you know, storms, etc., bushfires. Days, so man. I know it's my fault, basically. So they might not allow <laughs> well, me to do that one again. But no, so, so some th things like that, more telly, I did, did some stuff for Sports Personality of the Year, so I might be getting involved with that again when it comes back. All these things are subject to where the world's at, the hopefully world's not a second bad, spike, man. if we're back to some kind of normal. Uh, and then just other, other TV ideas in the pipeline, nothing's going to get commissioned anytime soon until we're until fully we're back, back to, to normal. normal. But my God, it's, it's great to have two full-time radio gigs TV stuff in the pipeline, and then the live stand-up when it comes back. I can't wait for that. So I'm as busy we'll have, as I can to, be. We'll have to keep a wee look out, uh, Kenny. Please do. Jump on one of the gigs. Yeah, jump cool. on you. Let oh, me know. And, I know, definitely. It's and I'll, 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 no, I'll no pick on you. Don't worry. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll, 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 it's happy to, well, if I, to be, be picked on. To be fair, Kenny, I probably summer, would pick on you, so. to be fair. I'm not going to lie. But there's so much material. I look at you and I've got an entire fringe show. So. <laughs> if I get implanted in every you know, show you've got, because since lockdown, my could God, be a double act. Huge, it could be man. there. That's that's it. Well, I've got enough to be a double act. See, she just she just talked about that. Uh, there's your looking off a trim these days. It's very yeah. nice you say so. Is this OnlyFans? What's happening? You're about to see a wee ding, a wee tip. <laughs> Good. Well, as we said, obviously you're, you're, you're into your fitness. Um, would you say maybe over the last sort of three, four years, it's probably become Correct. a bigger thing for you? Correct. Yeah, no, it definitely has. It really has. It's, you know, the, the older you get, you think, I need to look after this body. I've only got the one. So yeah. um, I, I, I used to be a little bit rounder and uh, I was never fat, fat. But then when I look back at pictures of myself, I was like, somebody should have had a word with me. What's happening here? <laughs> and uh, so I, I, I can have that ability. I do like my food. So I can have that ability to just round and a bit chubby and um and, I, and I, I wanted to get a hold of that and obviously doing all these physical challenges yeah. for the triathlon you need, you need I needed to do that and it was funny I had to change my body shape in certain ways so 
I started doing a lot of running and I managed to do a 10K in under 40 minutes. So oh, I was pleased with that. Sure that's you. a great time. Yeah, 39.09. I know that I've memorised it, but uh, <laughs> I, 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 I surprised myself. But, but I got into one body shape and then I started doing the, the swimming the outdoor, you know, cold water swimming. And I took some advice on nutrition and how to, you know, slightly bulk up a bit in terms of, you mm-hmm, know, get a bit yeah. more muscle around you for that. But generally, I, I like to go to the gym. Uh, you know, I work with a guy, Kieran, that you know, is, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, a really, really good trainer. And, and I can do my own bits as well. Obviously, we've all struggled during lockdown. But for me, I, I enjoy training as hard as it can be. I think it can be. It gives you a bit of focus. It's a bit of an endorphin hit as well. And, uh, and, and I enjoy just the results of it, of feeling and looking a bit better. I know in my industry as well, it's not all about look, but if you can feel that you maybe shed a couple of pounds, it gives you a wee bit more confidence. And cameras can be harsh, uh, especially oh, cameras as shite as you two. I think Kenny's about to tell a ghost story here, but it looks like. <laughs> yeah, right. So the Blair Witch Project going on there. two phones with a flash. Oh, mate, it's amazing. <laughs> I but wish I had the lighting that you've got. You're we're looking all, good, my all, man. We're all no days. We're all no days. Yeah, eh? listen, that's it. <laughs> but you know, I, I, I do enjoy just uh, just keeping the training going and trying doing something a few days a week. And it, it, it just, it gives me enjoyment and I like the benefits <laughs> of it as well. It keeps me out of trouble for a bit. And that's uh, that's the main thing. But uh, yeah, but no, it's good. And, and, and I, you know, I'll keep up for as long as I can. And yeah. I, like, I like running. I do like doing a bit of running as well. I think it's... Uh, it's good to clear so the mind to get a bit of sweat. What's your distance? Do you go and go a distance or do you just go and run? Or? I go and run. I, from my house, I do a loop around the Clyde. It's exactly seven and a half kilometres. So right. that's, time? that's my distance. Time? For that, I've not been really pelting it. So I suppose I'm probably coming in about, I think the other day I did it sort of 33 33 minutes well, good, for that, which is okay. Time. It's not quite, I'm not pelting it like when I did, when I was doing those sort of sub 40 tens, it felt. Like I was doing more of the running and really going for that, and no. weight-wise, uh, I, I was focus, down. Aye. That was a focus. It's not not necessarily the focus now, but just to stay fit, healthy, just and trim. Still moving. Aye. And as much as it, Kenny, it's a thing about working weird hours. That sometimes when it goes into silly season for me, and I've got lots of gigs and really late nights and early starts and filming stuff through the day, and then you've got your radio chucked into the middle of it, you really need to keep in decent shape and. Uh, that uh, being in shape gives you better energy and might just give you the extra few few percent. We're talking about uh-huh. working hard and grafting and trying to see a result. That's really what I do it for, just to yeah. you know feel good by doing it, and it might give me the edge in terms of energy if I need to keep going if it's really really uh-huh. hard work. Look, here as you mentioned, it wouldn't be here the roof if it wasn't for Kieran. So a big thank you to Kieran. Oh, big thanks. Um, yeah, he broke up the steel, bit- didn't he? He brokered it, aye. As he was the agent in the middle, aye. The middle man. We, we have had to buy 7,000 tickets for some gig or something. Yeah, uh, but you'll enjoy them. I mean, that's... We certainly will. No, no, we, we will. You'll, you'll, you need to laugh 7,000 times. That's the problem. Um, oh. but, but yeah, what with a trainer, I enjoy that because it gives me a focus on what I'm doing, make sure I'm doing... Yeah, yeah it's accountability. Kind of make sure I'm doing the right things as well. And it, it can also help push you times further than you may well go yourself so it's not for everyone but i think a lot of people that have used it and and there's online trainers as well that people use as well whatever works for you i prefer the one-on-one but whatever works for you you know just get out there and do it and and i think part of this lockdown people got 
board and they got into the Joe Wicks thing or other trainers like him that were doing, well, doing the home stuff. Uh, so I think that's great because it could have gone the other way and we just turned into yeah. fat rides. So, not at all. Not at all. I think I think the cameras for here up. See below this camera, days man. I don't want to see. I know that that's a semi naked pose. It's not Ryan Giggs picture I got. It's my only fans. But I know that a lot of people missing the gyms and being able to work out. So it's um it's just been a case of trying to maintain and get through it. But you know, glad to hopefully see at some point soon we'll get the gyms going again and. And we can try and get back, back normality. in a good shape. Normality, I don't, I don't think things Certainly. will be normal again, but I think things will no. definitely be more normal than we are. And I think with the way that gyms can sterilise the place, I think that, I mean, people made a good point. Why are pubs open before gyms? Before yeah, gyms, right. I was going to say that. Controlling the environment and accountability of knowing everyone that's in that gym, even maybe staggering the times that people come in, having the yeah. equipment, having the staff on hand to wipe down, being able to maintain social distancing. I think gyms are a better place to do it than a lot most pubs, pubs and restaurants, if we're being honest. Not that we don't want them to come back as well, but uh, of course, yeah, so. I was disappointed that maybe they held gyms back a wee bit longer, but I'm sure they've got their reasons. Aye, well, uh, well, I'm tax quite on happy to. Alcohol is a lot higher than the tax on gyms, so exactly. Well, we'll no yeah. my opinion. That's just me. Plus, exactly, the people in gyms generally, the people in gyms generally don't tend to be totally steaming. So they can they can maintain a distance, do you know? So whereas drunk people are right in your face, um, so so maintaining a social distance if you're steaming has proved hard for all of people throughout history. So I don't know that it's going to be any uh, any different this time. But but listen, all in good time. We'll be open when the, when the experts say it's right, and, and we'll be ready to go. Well, no, listen, no. we'll not take up too much better your Saturday night days. Yeah, <laughs> it's gone. No, this is. <laughs> I think I'm looking at the watch here. I think it's taking up Saturday, Sunday, and half a Monday as well. So, no, uh, if you just bill Gavin for that, that's totally fine. Go through Kieran, send it to Gav. Send it to me. yeah, yeah, go through them. I don't mind, right? Okay, we'll send Kieran a wee note. He's, but, um, he's getting 10 percent. That's how show business works, is it? No, no, is that, is that no? Uh, well, I don't know. I'll listen, that's what it is. There's always, there's always somebody making money off a of talent, is what I've found out. But, uh, <laughs> but no, lads, thanks for having me. It's, it's actually been oh. fun, and uh, we've all gone off on a wee tangent and told some daft stories, but it's been really enjoyable. That's oh, been brilliant. I'll oh, say so we appreciate it so much. Thanks very much for, for taking your this time. It's very much an, an open door for you, Des, at any point Absolutely. you. Oh, <laughs> any any time, that's any it. Time, well, any time. maybe come back if, if something happens and there's a a new gig or something, or there's you know an update and things further down the road. Then I know I can come and speak to you guys about it, and uh, we'll, we'll keep in touch. Anything, but but keep going with the podcast. It's it's great Thank to you, do, man. and it's uh, it's what we're talking about. Just giving people a focus, for, giving you guys a focus, and other yeah. people something to have interest in and a bit of entertainment. People are turning to things like Netflix and Disney Plus, which is fine, but let's not forget smaller podcasts or Zoom gigs that maybe need the support that are more local as well. And this is this is one of them. So that's, that's why I've come on and why hopefully people are watching and, and giving you a few likes. Definitely. Thank Top you, man. No, Top man. Thanks, Dave. Anytime, right, guys? All the best and good luck right. with the OnlyFans. <laughs> right, also, can I just say before I go, I remember the name of that hotel. It was the Beachwood Hotel that I was talking to Sir Alex Beachwood about. Hotel. The Beachwood ah, thing. Beachwood. 
Aye, no, the Blyswood is a very different hotel. That was, I was going to say. That was a very different place back in the day as well. But, uh, <laughs> nah, but uh, that conversation was as memorable as this. So, uh, well, proper nice. legends are to you. Right, oh, Gav, Kenny, thank you, take thank care. You. Thanks Don't, for having thanks me on. Right. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.